Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to the show here tonight, podcasting, understanding our republic, restoring our republic, and real solutions. But tonight we got Dr. Peter Ventura, going to be teaching from the book of Daniel for the first 60 minutes of the podcast, and after that I'll be taking over as host. So Peter, welcome to the show, here you go, you're connected. Thank you, and welcome to another Sound Doctrine broadcast. Amen. We serve Almighty God. I'm glad that you uh, joined us this evening. We're studying the book of Daniel, in case you're just joining us. And you come in at the right time because we're about to get into uh, those visions. And uh, we're finishing up Chapter 6 right now. And uh, we ended up uh, around verse 22. We were talking uh, about uh, some of the things that, remember, the book of Daniel is a book of prophecy. And we're going to get into some uh, future prophecies and and 25 years of human history uh, prophetically. And so uh, I'd like to just remind you what had happened that Nebuchadnezzar was having his party and and uh, he wasn't worried about anybody getting over those 300-foot-high walls or those 80-foot-thick walls. And, and he's having a party and the writing was on the wall and, and the media Persians came in and they, uh, under Cyrus and Darius, and they conquered, they walked right in. They diverted the water of the Euphrates. They worked right, walked right in. The people forgot in, in Babylon to lock the gates, the brass gates that went down to the river from the streets. And so he was able to walk in and just take the city. You know, that's how God works sometimes. Amen? You know, when they say peace, peace, and safety, then they, then they look out. There could be some trouble. Let's have a prayer, and let's get into the meat of this, because I want to get into Chapter 7 as fast as I can, but I want to give you what I can out of Chapter 6 so we can wrap that up. And I just thank God for the opportunity, and and Lord, we're just going to bow our heads and pray. Uh, God, I ask you tonight that you would uh, set me aside. Lord, let nothing come from me that would not be from you and does not glorify you. And I need you, Lord, to do what I cannot do because these people have not come to hear me, God. They've come to hear you. And, Lord, your word says my people hear my voice. And so, God, through your shepherds and your pastors and your preachers, Lord, and the apostles, that, that, God, you've always brought forth your word to the people and through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we ask for that tonight. And we're just going to give you the praise and the honor. We ask you, God, that you chase every unclean and foul spirit that would hinder any production or any part of this program or any part of anybody receiving it, Lord, who is tuned in or will archive it. And we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we got over there down to verse 22. And uh, verse 22, uh, you know, we should back up just a little bit and pick it up, but I don't want to go too far back. But verse 18, then the king went to his palace. Remember, you're going to put Daniel in the lion's den, and the king's in serious distress. And uh, uh, so uh, Daniel's been in there all night, and the king goes there in the morning. He fasted overnight. He tried to do everything he could to get Daniel out of it. But the law of the media Persians was once, once that king's signet went down, once he made a law, that was it. It could not be changed. And so as much as he wanted to change it, he would have been in rebellion to his own people. So he had to stick with it. And there's Daniel's in the lion's den. And, uh, you know, we got down to verse 19 where of chapter 6 where the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the lion's den. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to, to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. 
And, uh, you know, verse 21, Daniel says, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. Uh, For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Amen. And so uh, here we have, uh, he said, my God has sent his angel. And uh, it's same thing we found in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. Uh, scripture says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. You see, that angel. And the angel, you know, is the angel of the Lord. And so uh, even when you get to Numbers, uh, I mean, uh, Genesis 48, 16, if, if you just go there very quickly with me, uh, we have a lot of material to cover, and I want to cover it, but I want you also to understand it. In Genesis 48, look at verse number 16. You see, or 15 says, And he blessed Jacob and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. This is Jacob speaking. The God which fed me all my life long unto this day. The angel which redeemed me from all evil. You see that capital A, angel? Now, there's the appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament before his incarnation as the Christ. He does show up as the Son of God, but he, he's called the angel of the Lord. And and you find that uh, even on the plain of Manbury, where Abraham is there and three men show up, and two of them are angels, one is the Lord. And, and Abraham, the two angels go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Lord stays there and talks to Abraham, you see. And so that's called a theophany. An appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament prior to the cross is a... Okay, and remember, he's, he's, he, Jesus wasn't just born of a woman. He, he was, it was a virgin birth, but he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God didn't sit down when there was sin in Garden of Eden and say, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? God had this plan. Jesus Christ is part of the Trinity, and in somewhere in eternity past, God separated himself from God the Father to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And they are three persons, not powers. They are three persons of the Godhead. Amen? And so let's go to verse 23. Verse 23 says, Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Amen? He believed in his God. You know, sometimes it's God's will to deliver people. And he delivered Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, uh, Meshach uh, willingly, okay? And whether God delivers you or not, he's always with you. I mean, that's a fact, and you can see that in the, and we're not going to go there, but in Hebrews chapter 11, 33 to 38, which is the faith chapter. And sometimes it, it's not. I mean, Stephen didn't get delivered. John the Baptist didn't get delivered. James didn't get delivered. But some delivered, some not. And, and, and an unsaved man, he'll go it alone. But at least if you're saved, Jesus is with you. Okay? Now, as far as verse 23 was, it says, Then was the king exceeding glad for him. See, things can change pretty quick when God's involved. And, and we need to remember that. For when you and I get in our lives and we have problems in our lives, that God is able to change it. 
Sometimes he does right away. Sometimes he does not. You know, the king was sore displeased before this. He was fasting. He was down. He was concerned for Daniel. And God changed that situation in less than 24 hours. And the scripture said, why? Because he believed in God. Daniel believed in God. Not just believed in God, but he had a personal relationship with his God. And that's important. You know, Christianity is more than just getting saved. It's having a personal relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Over in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, we read, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekeo. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Believing is more than just, just an act of speaking it or confessing it. Okay, It's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. And there are things in the Bible that you and I understand fully, but in faith we believe it. Thus saith the Lord. There are places in the Old Testament where God told Israel, thus saith the Lord. I said it. You just do it. Amen? And they trusted God. So God is, you need to know God in a personal way. In in uh, Psalm 37, verse number 40, we read, And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trusted in him. If you believe in God, you have to trust in God. He is a father. He's God, the father, and worthy. And that's that's a wonderful thing, that we have a trustworthy God, you see. Verse number 24 in Daniel chapter 6 says, And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of, of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Whew, I'll tell you what. You know, God can close the mouth of the lion like he did with Daniel, or he could open that mouth of the lion, you see. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which accused Daniel. That's divine retribution you know psalm 105 and you look at uh, verse number 15 scriptures saying touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm you remember king david wouldn't kill saul he had the opportunity but he knew he was god's anointed and he knew the scriptures and he didn't want to touch his anointed he didn't want to harm him over there in the book of esther remember they set out to kill all the jews and then in chapter 7 and verse 10, Scripture says they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. You know, hey, amen. Mordecai was about to be killed by Haman. Haman had set up gallows to kill him. Divine retribution. He got hung on his own gallows. Not so smart, was he? You see, he forgot that God protects his own over in Second Thessalonians, I'll go there with you. It would say in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verses 6 and 7. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. You got somebody troubling you, God's going to deal with that. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. 
when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Amen. Listen, God doesn't take it kindly for people troubling his children. If you're a mother or a father, you wouldn't take it kindly if somebody was troubling your children. How much more God the Father? Amen. You, 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 if you don't know the scriptures, you won't know the power of God. It's as simple as that. And if you don't know the power of God, your relationship with God will be a, a relationship that is not solid. When I, you know God, see, and, and the oriental form of justice was, hey, you're not only going to kill them, but you're going to kill their children and you kill their wives. And especially people who were using the king, they used this king in a conspiracy. They conspired against Daniel, and they caused the king to be part of that conspiracy. And you know what? That amounts to a conspiracy against the king, and the king said, okay. And, and so that was that. He took care of them. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Over in, uh, let's move on to a little bit here, uh, to verse number 25. Verse 25 says, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Peace be multiplied unto you. Verse 26, I make a decree. This is the king's decree. That in every dominion, this is how widespread the gospel, widespread the knowledge of God, the true God became. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. How about that? You see, Darius is king just about for the whole unknown world, that unknown to us, but to the whole known world at that time, and you see the extent of Scripture, it was known in the known world at that time of Daniel. India, Persia, Turkey, uh, Africa, Europe. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, I'm writing to everyone in the known world, all people, the God of Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar gives testimony to the entire known world. That, that's powerful. And he's telling the entire world. And so you had Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and, and Cyrus, and they gave a testimony to the whole world. Thank God. You see, you had four kings because even Asherus, when you go to the book of Esther and you look at the book of Esther in uh, chapter 8, here's the fourth king that told the world. Uh, in Esther chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, Scripture says there, then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month of Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and to the deputies and rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia and 127 provinces, unto every province, according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews, according to their writing, and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Hashurus' name. You see, and he seals it with the king's ring. And so you had four kings that had been ruling 
the greater portion of the world, and here they are, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and Cyrus. And remember, Darius is really, he was uh, under Cyrus. And then you have Asherus, the king. See, In every dominion of my kingdom, men to tremble and fear at God, the living God, he said, who's steadfast forever. There's no shadow of turning with God. Now, verse 27 says, He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? You see, he delivers and he rescueth. And he does it with signs and wonders. He's a, we serve a mighty God. And Darius, you know, he reigned over Media, Cyrus over Persia. And when Darius ends up his reign, Cyrus reigns over both kingdoms. And, and we really don't know how long Daniel continued after Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 prophecy, and what we'll get to that. So verse number 28 says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, what, what I'd like you to get here is uh, before we get into chapter, the, chapter 7, and we're studying this verse by verse, scripture by scripture. But when you're studying the book of Daniel, the first six chapters are really personal. They're going to deal with a personal aspect of Daniel's life and also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then the last six chapters are prophetic. They're covering 2,500 years of human history looking into the future. And the period of time deals with the times of the Gentiles. To get an understanding of that, Luke 21, 24. And this is very, very important in studying your Bible, you see, because Jesus tells a prophecy and he says in verse 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations, talking about the Jews, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be Fulfilled. Now, when we started this book, we started talking about the times of the Gentiles. And the times of the Gentiles began in 606 B.C. That is what Jesus is talking about. And Jerusalem was trotted down the first time, the beginning of the times of the Gentiles, when Nebuchadnezzar came down, okay? And he took these people to Babylon. He came back a second time in about 583 and took more. And that's when Daniel got caught up with this and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And even, even Jeremiah, as you study it out. Okay? And so that's the beginning of the times of the Gentiles. But the times of the Gentiles will end when Jerusalem again ends up trodden under Gentile dominion. All right? And it lasts, this whole thing lasts, this time of the Gentiles. It begins with 606 B.C., and it lasts until Christ's earthly kingdom is established. It begins in 606 when Nebuchadnezzar began to besiege Jerusalem in Daniel 1.1, and, and that was his first deportation. Now, let's make a distinction because I want you to see that's the times of the Gentiles, and you're not to be confused with the fullness of the Gentiles. If you look at what the Apostle Paul says, in Romans chapter 11, verse 35, I'll, I'll give you a moment to get there, okay, for the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, a mystery in the Bible is not something you cannot understand or learn, 
you know, it, it's it's a something that is hidden until it is revealed. So for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Paul, the wonderful thing about the apostles, he doesn't want you to be ignorant. He didn't want us to be ignorant. The word ignorant has not, you know, it's been taken out of its context today. People say somebody's ignorant. They, they're saying he's an idiot. Now, that's not what the word ignorant means. The word ignorant means somebody who doesn't have knowledge of something, okay? And I'm ignorant of rocket science. I don't know anything about rocket science. I didn't know anything about fractional banking until Brother Joe Gibson told me, you know, explained some things to me. So you can be ignorant of something. That doesn't mean you're stupid. And Paul said, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. He wants you to know it, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, the times of the Gentile started in 606 B.C., and it ends when, and really you could find it, we'll get to that in Revelation chapter 11, when, when you see Israel and Jerusalem trodden down for the last time by the Gentiles. And then we have our millennium kingdom. But the fullness of the Gentiles, remember when, when Moses and Joshua, and they were going to go into the land, and God told them not to go into the land because the cup of the Amorites was not full yet. Remember what Jesus said when he prayed, if this cup could be taken away from me? You see, God has a cup up there, and he's got a cup of wrath, you see. And that, that cup is, is when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. I understand there's a time when the last Gentile gets saved and then rapture. But the fullness of the Gentiles really is talking about when the God has had enough with the Gentiles. He started with the Jews. They went to the cross. They didn't receive their Messiah. He brought the word to the church age, the age of grace of Gentiles. And during the tribulation, he's going back to deal with the Jews. Okay, and that's why Paul said, well, he wants you to be ignorant that you get, you know, you think you're slick. He says uh, that he didn't want us to you know, get puffed up thinking that, oh, well, we got what the Jews didn't get because the Bible says that the Jews got double the punishment if you study the Old Testament. They get double the punishment. Why? Because they knew and they had the oracles. How much more, the Bible says, to, to fear falling into the hands of the living God. And so this fullness of the Gentiles, I tell you that the Gentiles' time is becoming ready for judgment in this world. The United States of America and the rest of this world has become of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is not happy with us and not happy with the world. And the world is not evolving. It's devolving. It's not evolution. It's devolution. And that's prophesied. Okay? And so you have to understand the fullness of the Gentiles. That's when God says, okay, that's it. I'm done with this. Chapter 7. And verse number one, chapter seven, verse one, number one says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So Belshazzar shows up here in chapter five. Remember, he got the vessels from Jerusalem for the party to use. He got the writing on the wall. And then while he was banqueting, the media purge took Babylon. And Daniel has a vision in the first year of Belshazzar's reign. 
he's reigned as co-regent for about three years with his stepfather, Nabonidus. And that's why when Belshazzar makes the offer, anyone who can interpret Belshazzar's visions, he would be the third ruler. Well, Nabonidus, Belshazzar, and then Daniel. Now, the truth is, the history records that Belshazzar is killed in 538 B.C. when Babylon falls to the media Persians. And you and I are going to discover three visions we're going to discover in chapter 7. The first vision is of four beasts, and we're going to find them in verses 1 to 8. The second is a vision of a judgment scene, and that's going to be verses 9 to 12. And then number three, we're going to see the vision of the Son of Man receiving the kingdom, and that's in verses 13 to 14. Okay, so Daniel wrote down the dreams, and this is why we have it today. Amen. Thank God. You know, uh, people who cannot rightly divide the Bible will be, you know, uh, for instance, uh, you know, people who cannot dispensate will be, you know, studying the Bible, and they'll read about the Sabbath day, and they'll meet on the Sabbath day, and and listen, you're not a Jew. You're not under the law. You're not required to meet under the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is part of the law, and so uh, we meet on the day of the week, and that's what the Apostle Paul said. We meet on the first day of the week. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. He rose on the Feast of First Fruits. Remember, we discussed that, and that's important to know the days and understand those feasts. All right, Jesus was the Passover lamb. The the feast after the Passover lamb is the feast of fruit, the, uh, the feast of unleavened bread. And there are extra Sabbath days in the Jewish calendar, feast days, because the first day of unleavened bread is a holy convocation, and a holy convocation is a Sabbath. All right, and and anybody who tells you any different needs to go read Leviticus chapter twenty three. If you can't read English and you can't get a fourth grade Bible, it, there's no tricks in this book. It was, God didn't write it to fool you. He clearly says there are other Sabbaths. It's not just a Sabbath. Now, God gave the seventh day to the Jew as a Sabbath, okay? And so, but that's under the law. You're no longer under the law once you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see? You're, you're, we meet on the first day of the week. So as you study those feast days, Christ the Passover, yes. And then the next day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it's an extra convocation. It's an extra holy day. It's an extra Sabbath. And that feast runs for seven days. And the last day of that feast is a holy convocation again, another Sabbath. And any Sunday in between is the Feast of first fruits. And so Christ, who died on Wednesday, went to the tomb by Wednesday at 6 o'clock, because 6 o'clock at night, Jew keeps time from 6 to 6, not 12 midnight to 12 midnight like you and I. They kept time from 6 to 6. And so Jesus is in that tomb, 6 o'clock, because at 6.01, it's Thursday. And you got Thursday, Friday, and then 6 o'clock Saturday night to a Jew is Sunday. Three days and three nights, as Jonah was going to be in the whale of the belly, Jesus said, he would be in that tomb. And you're not going to get it from Friday to Sunday. 
three days. You get three full days from the Passover to the first Sunday. And that first Sunday was the Feast of First Fruits. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the first fruits from the dead. Amen? And every one of those feasts are a type of Christ. It's just amazing. They're obeying the Sabbath. What Sabbath? You're under the law? When did you get under the law? You're not under the law. You're under grace. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. And so you, you have to get, and by the way, the only gospel that tells you that it was a high day, which is an extra Sabbath day, in the Gospels is the Gospel of John. And see, this is where the Roman Catholics and the Protestants and some of the Methodists and the congregation, this is where they get this wrong. Because it says that he had to come off the cross because the next day was the Sabbath. It wasn't a Saturday Sabbath. It was the feast feast after Passover. The first day of the Feast of First Fruits, that seven-day feast, is an extra Sabbath. So he's the Passover lamb. John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God. What do you think they were calling the lamb for? All right. Chapter 7 in Daniel. So Daniel wrote these dreams down, and that's why you and I have it today. I mean, how do you think the wise men that came from the east knew to follow that star? Because of Daniel's writings. Look at verse number 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strolled upon the great sea. So he's looking into the future. It's by night. And we're going to have to deal with a period of time which is typified by night. A period of time typified by night. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.2. I don't want you just to say, you know, uh, Dr. Ventura is spewing off a bunch of Nazis. Hey, I'm giving you scripture, and if you can't read plain English, this is fourth grade English. First Thessalonians, and listen, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Because this is a, this, the Bible is a book. It's written by uh, men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual book. And if you want to understand a book, you must have the Spirit of God. This idea that we're all the children of God, the Bible never said that. The Bible says those who are led of the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And if you're not saved, you don't have that Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So you need to get saved if you want to understand this book. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 2 says, For ye yourselves know, know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now the difference between a thief and a robber is, a robber will come in your house and he'll take anything he got, you got. But a thief knows what he's after. He might be an art thief and he's looking for the Mona Lisa, you see. And so that's why Jesus said he'd come back as a thief in the night. When he comes back as a thief in the night, he knows what he's coming back for. He's coming back for his Christians. All right? But Daniel says his vision's by night. So it's a period typified by night. The day of Christ. You know, the day of Christ deals with Christians. The rapture. The bema. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is Jewish. Second Advent, Millennium, New Heaven and New Earth, right? A thief in the night, the end of the trib. The trib is the period of darkness. Malachi 4.1, how do I know that? Okay, 
Let's go to Malachi with me. Malachi, you know, the book before Matthew. Okay? So we can understand what period of time we're dealing with in this vision. All right? You open the book of Malachi and you go to chapter 4. Now, as I said before, when we get to that tribulation, there's that rapture and a tribulation. Tribulation is a, a judgment time. It's a dark time. Okay, and then what happens? Jesus comes back for the Jewish people, and here's what you get. Look at, look at verse, chapter 4, verse 1 of Malachi. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise. Did you notice it? Now it's light. The sun, S-U-N. He did not say S-O-N. S-U-N. It's not an error. The sun of righteousness shall return. He's talking about Jesus the Christ. Okay? And, and so what happens is at the end of the trip, the Lord comes back, but he says the sun of righteousness. Why? Because the sun arises in the east. It's dark out, and then the sun arises. Well, Jesus is a light, and, and he's light, and he comes from the east. He'll come from Mount Sinai up the King's Highway on the, on the uh, east side of the Jordan. He'll cross over, and he'll come in, and he will go into Jerusalem in the east gate. That's why when you study the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the gate faces the east. The high priest is a type of Christ. And he goes into the holy of holies where the mercy seat is, and he sprinkles the blood for the sacrifice once a year for all the people. He's a type of Christ, you see? And, and so it comes from the east, all right? He says in... in Verse number two, behold the four winds, and four is the number of the world, north, south, east, and west, four. And there are four seas that are mentioned in Scripture, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea. And the Great Sea is, all, in all likelihood, the Mediterranean Sea. See, where. We're, we're getting the time when it takes place. It's going to take place in dark. And darkness is at the vicinity of the Mediterranean Sea area. The area can also be, you know, a sea can be represented by people also. Because when you look at Revelation 13.1, get there with you. 13.1 says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. 13.1 says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. You see? And, and so uh, it could be people. But we're getting the time when it takes place, and it's at night. All right? And Antichrist comes out of people, not out of water. And so the, these beasts are going to come up from the people of the world. I'll, I want to get you a, one other verse uh, in chapter 13 of Revelation. So I'm going to clear, make that clear because I don't think I made that clear just a moment ago. 
that a sea, the sea can also represent people. Okay. Uh, verse number 17 says, uh, no, that's not going to do it either. So, yes, let's go to 17.1. I, I just want, and there came out of the, out of, and there came one out, seven angels, which had set the seven vials, and talk with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will shew unto thee the great judgment of the whore that sitteth upon many waters. You see, and, and it, it can waters it can be people. You know, the Antichrist comes out from people. And so these beasts are going to come up from the people of the world. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 3 says, And four beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. So he sees four beasts, and we're going to find that they represent kings and kingdoms because that's in verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Okay? Now, believers try to match up these four beasts to the images of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But in Daniel 17, in, in Daniel 7, 17, we have four beasts which shall arise out of the earth. This is future, shall arise. These four beasts can't begin with Babylon. Belshazzar, right, if it is all future, it says shall arise. So it must start after Babylon because it's in the future. And Daniel the second, Daniel chapter 2, remember God shows Nebuchadnezzar all the kingdoms from him to the second advent. We started out with the kingdom of gold, and, and those were all the kingdoms. And so chapter uh, 7, these kingdoms all represent kings and kingdoms, and they're going to show up at the end near the second advent. And they are really tribulation kingdoms. Now, look at verse number 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld to the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Like a lion, he, he's, he's distinguished as a, the king of beasts, you see, established by power and conquest. That's what a lion does in dominion. Like a lion, he says, and he had eagle's wings. An eagle represents flight, the ability to cover great and large areas of territory, huge expanses. And he says, and I beheld to the wings thereof were plucked. There's a loss of mobility. You see, you couldn't move like you used to. It can't cover those great areas and expanses. And then he says and it also, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. So this this eagle that he saw, a change takes place, and it goes from beastie to manly. Its wings are plucked, and it becomes more tamed, more controlled, less powerful. It can't move like it used to. He says, and a man's heart was given to it, and it begins to think and to reason like a man. And so that lion represents English, England and the English-speaking people of the world. Because if you look at their insignia, it's a lion with the wings today. That's, that's the coat of arms for England. And it's a lion standing on two feet. And it was once said that the sun never settled on that British Empire because its expanse was so great, you see. And now its wings are plucked, 
and now it's standing there. And that's what the coat of arms today is a lion standing up on two feet. Now, Ezekiel 30:18 says, you know, when Russia uh, invades Israel, the nations say in Russia is that you who are invading Israel calls the young lions, the offsprings of England. Look at verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second like a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. Now, this one's different from a lion. It's a bear. It's like to a bear. A lion is majestic and agile, but a bear is clumsy. It's large. It's lumbering. It's fierce. It's voracious. And, and it's raised itself up in this vision on its one side. And the idea is that it's a kingdom that was at rest for some time, but now it's going to raise itself up and deliberately, and it's going to, you know, it's going to roar. This, this bear's getting up. And, and for the purpose of what? For the purpose of conquest of war, you see, it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And you have people, or you know, rough and fierce in character that have already subdued other kingdoms, laid down to rest, you see. And so he's, he has his trophies for a while, his conquests, and now it's going to rouse itself deliberately for the purpose of conquest of war. Arise, devour much flesh, it says, and, it, and it's going to go out again. And Russia represents the bear. Russia has been quiet for a long time, but in Ezekiel 38, Russia comes after Israel. And that's what the Bible says. Now, so we, we've seen those two kingdoms prophesied, and now look at number uh, 7, chapter 7, verse number 6. And after this I beheld and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now, these, this beast isn't like the other ones we've seen so far. Nothing, nothing like them. Daniel doesn't tell you what kind of beast it is, but you can find it in the Bible, right, in Revelation 13.1. 13, 1 and 2, the beast of Daniel 7, 7 is the composite of all beasts, you see, of Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 and 6, which we're studying. It's integrated people of the world. It's a combination of all characteristics of all four beasts. It's dreadful and terrible. It's strong and exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured, and it break in pieces. You see? And look at Daniel 7, chapter 7, verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. Well, he's talking about, you know, it's connected to uh, Rome. Because when you remember Daniel chapter 2, go back. (laughs) Daniel 2, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdue all things, 
And as iron that breaketh all things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. It's really that fourth beast is going to be the revived Roman Empire. Amen? Uh, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, look at verse 14. Here's what Proverbs 30, 14 says. Verse 14 says, There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And so this thing in 7-7 says, And it had ten horns. It's connected to Rome, the Ten Toes, the Confederated States of the European, where any Antichrist comes from. I look at verse number 8 of chapter 7. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great, swelling, speaking great things, all right? He talks about a little horn, a little horn. That little horn is a reference to the Antichrist, comes out of those ten confederate states of Europe, you see, before whom, Scripture says, there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Well, three of those kingdoms are going to get wiped out by that little horn completely destroyed, plucked up by the roots, it says, wiped out. And in in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man. And eyes speak of intelligence. Eyes speak of, of the ability to see. And someone who is extremely wise can see a lot. And a mouth speaking great swelling things. See, he's prideful. He's arrogant. He's boasting. Well, who does that sound like, you see? Because those first eight verses are really dealing with tribulation. And Revelation chapter 13, who who speaks like that? Revelation chapter 13, verse number six, talking about that. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name in tabernacle, and then that dwell in heaven, you see? And they make war with the saints. So we're talking in a trip context, that little horn before whom were the other horns plucked out. Now, when you get to uh, 7 of Daniel, verse 9, he says, this is a second vision. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. See, Daniel looks now beyond the tribulation. See, those first eight verses that we were reading were tribulation. Now, Daniel's looking ahead, and he's looking beyond the tribulation, beyond the second advent, and the millennium to the great white throne judgment. And he says, the ancient of days. Go to the book of Micah. One of the minor prophets, what a major message. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been 
from of old, from everlasting. Talking about God the Son. All right? Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse number 2, says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou shalt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save, right? Um, and look at verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, for thou hast ordained them for judgment. You see, he's the mighty one from everlasting, the ancient of days. Psalm 90, verse 2. You say, he got a lot of verses. Yeah, and in context. Psalm 90, verse 2. Psalm 90, verse number two says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or everlasting had, or, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art. And so here he says that uh, he's the ancient of days, verse number nine of Daniel chapter seven, and I beheld to the throne where cast down in the ancient of days did sit. Whew. And he says, whose garment, was white as snow in his hair and of his head like pure wool. Well, that that's Revelation, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about with the past of the golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool. As white as snow, and his eyes were as the flame of fire. Amen? You need a context for that? His garment was white as snow, and his hair, his head were like wool. And then it tells you that his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as a burning. Find those wheels in Ezekiel 126 and 15 to 16. All right, Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 10. It says, a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. A fiery stream issued and came out from before him, before the throne of God. You see, this is judgment. We're beyond the tribulation now, Daniel. And don't get me wrong, we're going to hit Daniel's 70th week, and we're going to explain the tribulation in detail. We're going to break it down by Jewish months, but we can't just race there. We have to study the book in its contents, all right? Uh, Psalm 97, Psalm 97, all right, verses 1 to 4, says, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlighten the world. The earth saw and trembled. Okay? And Daniel said in verse 10, A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. So what you have is is a fiery stream issues before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Revelation chapter 5. See, this is why they say Daniel 
is revelation concealed, and revelation is Daniel revealed. Look at Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Woo! Hey, thousands of thousands. That's what Daniel's given you a vision of. He saw it then. He said, okay, thousands of thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment seat was set, it says in Daniel 7.10. The books were opened. Revelation chapter 20. Oh, boy, we're in the meat of things now. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose faith the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What did we just say here? The judgment was set, he says, and the books were opened. This is what Daniel's talking about. God's going to judge the world, but he does it by the sun. The Ancient of Days. Now, verse number 11. Daniel seven eleven. Don't go shopping. We're still here. It's six minutes. I beheld then, because the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld until the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. He says, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. The horn is the Antichrist. And either Daniel's looking back at the trip, or it's the words spoken by Antichrist at the great white throne judgment. And the beast was slain. He's slain at the time of the second advent. Second Thessalonians 2.8, at the Battle of Armageddon. Okay? And it could be, it, it could be right there, Daniel sees, or he's seeing that white throne judgment. Now, verse number 12 says, as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. So after reading uh, uh, verse uh, 12 uh, and 11 through 12, it, it appears we're dealing uh, with the trib because Daniel goes back to speaking about the beasts. They had their dominion taken away. Remember verses 4 through 6, right? And, and their dominions taken away. So they no longer rule over nations or time at the time of the second advent. But it looks like their kingdoms are, are still present in the millennium. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So they continue for a season and a time like other nations. They continue in the millennium. Now, because uh, when we get to chapter 13, I mean, uh, verse 13 of chapter 7, I saw the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So here's the, this is the third vision, and it's the vision of the Son of Man receiving his kingdom. One like the Son of Man. 
okay? And, and he came with the clouds of heaven, second advent, and came to the ancient of days. And that's a reference this time to God the Father. Now, look at verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Okay, so the vision is the Son of Man receiving his kingdom. Now, uh, in verse 14, Scripture says, this is the millennium reign of Christ. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. The dominion and kingdom starts when he receives his kingdom and dominion, but it goes on into eternity, and that's why it's an everlasting dominion, a kingdom. You see, uh, Revelation 11:15 says he shall reign forever and ever. Hebrew 14:1 speaks of millennial rest. Hebrew 4:4 creation, Sabbath rest, a picture, a type of the millennium. Genesis 1:5 states it, it starts its end. And verse 8, you know, rest. So Hebrews 4.4, creation, not Sabbath rest. It's a picture of type of the millennium. Look at verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. He was grieved in his spirit and in his mind, right, and in the midst of his body. The distinction of the spirit from the soul. See, man is a tripartite. Spirit, soul, and body. I was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. Where's the spirit? In the midst of his body. See? Now, we're out of time, so I'm going to stop there. When we come back, we'll discuss those, this vision, this third vision of these beasts, uh, the four beasts of, and, and four kings, and we're going to, we're going to get that dual application here of the kingdoms and how it's to revive Roman Empire. It's not just the Roman Empire, but Antichrist himself. The beast is the kingdom, and the beast is the man. Right? And we're going to see that. So we're going to close right now. It's uh, 7.59, and I have to get out. But uh, thank you for listening. I know we moved pretty quick, um, but we covered a lot of territory, and we're going to get more in-depth. If, and if you need me to slow down, uh, you know, then let us know, and we'll we'll slow down. But uh, a lot of ter- material to cover in an hour. I just want to thank you for listening in, and let me pray with you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, if there's anybody listening who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they just turn away from their sins and, and come to you, Lord, and say, you know, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and was buried and resurrected the third day, and, and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that whosoever call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you really repented in your heart, and repent means to turn away from your sin. And I want to thank you for listening this evening. May God bless you listeners. We'll be back on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, Lord willing. And we'll pick this up at chapter 7, verse number 15. And we'll hit 16 and 17. I want to thank our host for allowing us this opportunity to get onto his platform to reach uh, 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 those who are interested in the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, folks. Yeah, Peter, I got a question for you, actually, before you run away. Because uh, you got about a bunch of students here, new students that are listening and uh, learning the book of Daniel, actually, for the past few weeks. They've been uh, 
you know, uh, paying attention, and they hung in there from the beginning, actually, actually from a lot of people from around the country, actually. I don't know if they're part of your crew or not, but uh, I know you got a lot of people in Connecticut that listen, and, and I noticed these callers have been on since uh, they were on when you went before the show started. So uh, these are people from uh, uh, out west and whatnot, so I want to say thanks for tuning in to new people yep. that uh, we, obviously we, are not part of, you know, part of your yeah, people you know, you know. We have a lot of friends calling in from the West also. But go ahead, brother. All right. Uh, remember, everyone, this isn't a debate. We don't debate. We're not here to debate the Bible. Uh, so it's just questions. So uh, I think 305 has got a question. But I know his friend Dan has a question. So uh, if he press 1, I can get him on. I don't know if he's on or not, if you want to pose the question for him. Because I know you got a bunch of people that are listening you got a bunch of people that are listening on speakerphone that are listening through speakerphone, so it's interesting how people are trying to listen to you. So that's 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 very interesting. Uh, so let me connect 305. Uh, you got a question for the doctor here tonight? Uh, well, actually, I thought we were going to do a follow-up to last Friday's discussion, um, um, which if you want to take questions for the doctor okay. for a yeah, yeah. Oh, Well, yeah, if you have a question, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mike, if you still have some questions about last Friday, sure, sure. I mean, you know, I didn't know. I thought we covered everything, though, but that's fine. If you've got a question, go ahead, ask. I mean, you guys have a little bit of time here. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it's um, my understanding when we spoke was that we were going to kind of do a uh, kind of a follow-up on, on the, like you said, it's not so much, yeah, you, you could call it a debate. It's not an argument. It, it, it's 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 just discussing ideas. You know, I like coming on here and listening to Dr. Peter Ventura because um, I respect the man. Um, I it's my position that he's not accurate on everything. Um, with all due respect, I, I and I appreciate him, um, and that's only because. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'm sure there's listeners out there. Um, that even what I said so far, you know, they're, they're, they're disgruntled just that I would even say that because they're just all about wanting to, you know, give their allegiance and honor and respect to Dr. You know, uh, Ventura, which is fine because people, you know, give their, their, their respect and, and appreciation to pastors that they like, and that's good. But there are other people out there that are actually seeking higher truth, higher awareness, higher pathways, because there are a lot of doctrines, which, and again, Peter would even agree with me out there, that there are a lot of um, false doctrines that have been tossed out there. Um, You know, I always refer to false Christianity and true Christianity. Um, I always refer to mainstream Christianity, by and large, as being a a, big part of All right, okay, so what's your question? All right. So what 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 do you want to discuss? I, I, we, I know where you stand. I kind of know where we you know we kind of know because you called him before and had you know, polite discussions with him. So what do you want to discuss? Yeah. Well, um, last week we were discussing the issue um, of you know trying to uh, you know give some insight on a deeper level. I believe to be a more truthful level concerning who and what Israel is, who and what the Jews are all about. Um, this you know to give clarity. Um, to what I call the Jew psyop, um, I made the comment last week that the nation state of Israel is is not the Israelites of the Bible. It's not the same thing at all. Um, in fact, um, you know, I referenced as well, you know, Christ and you know Yeshua, Yahushua, Jesus Christ, we call him. Um, you know, criticizing and condemning the scribes and the Pharisees and calling them the synagogue of Satan. You know, even in Revelation 2.9.3.9, you know, indicating those who call themselves Jews. But even the word Jew, we were kind of discussing that last week, that a Jew 
the, the term's only been used for the last few hundred years. Dr. You know, Ventura tried to make the point that, no, the, the word Jew was used in the Bible. Well, yeah, in the modern-day translation of the Bible. But when you look at the original terms, it, the, the term that they're using, Jew, only comes from two applications, either somebody that came from the land of Judea or somebody that's from the tribe of Judah, period. So it's a word that's being used to reference one or the other. So this whole thing about the Jews are God's chosen people and Jesus was a Jew, that's all a lie. Jesus Christ was not a Jew. Um, the Israelites um, are not the same as the nation state of Israel. That's a completely hijacked, fabricated what, thing. What, okay, now what, what, what doctrine do you have or what, what proof do you have that Jesus was not a Jew? Okay, so this, this goes back to an, another part of the conversation we were having last week that you guys were having a little bit of a hard time with, um, and that's why I brought Dan on tonight to maybe clarify. Um, we were talking about the fact that Adam was the son of God. The, you know, first of all, we're going to have to look at the fa- – first of all, we have to lay out there that we, we – while it's understandable that there are people out there that will hold up this modern-day book called the Bible, KJV or New NIV or whatever, and say, this book is the perfect, infallible Word of God. Everything in it is literal and perfect and true. You know, there's people that take that position. It's unfortunate Well, they're not just saying that. that. They're not just – hang on, Mike. They're not just saying that. They can prove it. You know, that's no, why I'm asking, you know, because they can because prove it. On the contrary, we can go look at original terminology and see how there's all kinds of things in the Bible that people are interpreting one way that are completely contrary to the actual original language. Like, and like, of can you give me an example? Well, can you give me sure. an example? Because I can't, I can't right, find any. Right, here's a good example, just borrowing from the Ten Commandments, adultery. Everybody has this concept that adultery has to do with sexual relations uh, between a man and another woman, you know, uh, marital infidelity. That's not what it has to do at all. It has to do with, with adulterating your blood, adulterating your bloodline, interracial marriage. That's exactly precisely what it has to do with because it was given back in the days where we know the Israelites were constantly being criticized by God for going outside of their race and, and, and intermingling with other foreigners, Canaanites and the like. You mean outside their tribe. So, you mean outside their tribe. There was no race there's no there's no race we're all part of one race the human race but there's the the tribes no 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 no. it's the human species and there's multiple races that's like saying there's only one bird no there's multiple breeds of birds just like there's multiple races of human beings and this whole this whole politically correct thing that you apparently are getting caught up in with oh no there's no 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 hang on time out 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 calm down here I'm just asking for proof of the allegations that you're making that the Bible is not the true word of God. Can you give me any type of foundational facts through your research that it's not? First of all, you just put words in my mouth that I didn't say. I didn't say the Bible is not the true word of God. I said that the people that say that this (laughs) Bible, this book that's printed today, sitting on a table called KJV or NIV, is the perfect infallible word of God through and through, literal and perfect from letter to letter. It is. is, 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 is actually a foolish thing to say, just knowing that human beings put it together, published it, translated it, interpreted it, and okay. mankind. Okay, all right, okay. So, all right, hang on, time out, time out. All right, hang on, hang on, Mike, calm down, hang on. Okay, 
So again, can you prove to me why it's not the infallible word of God, why it's not the true word of God? Because I find it to be perfect through the research, comparing scripture with scripture, through history, applying it historically, applying it doctrinally, and applying it inspirationally. It is the true word of God because it's infallible. It can't be, it's been proven time and time again, and, try, and time and time again it's been d- tried, and, d- and nobody has been able to do it to disprove it. You know, so can no, you no. give me anything that disproves it? Yeah, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're literally mixing apples and oranges because there is truth in what we call the Bible, all kinds of truth within the Bible, but there is also error, deliberate, purposeful no, misinterpretation. No, there's not. No, there, no there's of not. That's what I'm saying. I just, gave you, I just gave you the example of the word adultery. I can use another example uh, of, of the Sabbath as a great example. The, the Sabbath goes back to before sin it goes back to the seventh day of creation it goes into the days of jesus it goes into isaiah prophesying in the future they will they shall come and worship me from one sabbath to another from one full moon to another so the sabbath all right all right, morning, all, right so, all right all right hang on all right hang on all right so you get two examples there let me finish that point the sabbath is a seal of God. It's the memorial of his, of his creative act. Okay, okay, yet, all right, okay, all right, all right, okay, okay, all right. Well, I don't want to go too far ahead. Peter, he just made gave three points right there. Can uh, well, I, I think you covered this tonight? But can, can you reiterate again the Sabbath and the true word and why the King James Bible is the true word of God? Well, I think the Sabbath was for the Jews, dealt for the Jews. It was a rest, but the man was not. The Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath, and. Uh, but as far as these uh, doctrines and, you know, either either holy men, the Bible says the holy men of God moved, spake, wrote, as the Holy Spirit inspired them. So we have the word of God or we don't. Well, right. And that would be in the original words that were, that were written. Hang on. Mike, 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 don't interrupt. I don't want to do that, please. You know, I think I was pretty quiet here i just sat and listened to what you had to say and, okay you know, yeah go ahead peter um when paul spoke in the hebrew the apostles recorded it in greek jesus read from the book of isaiah he didn't have an original scripture but he called it scripture jeremiah gave a double inspiration when the scriptures were cut with pen, he rewrote them, and God said, "Added more." So, Enoch was a perfect translation. So I don't understand why we, why God is unable to translate the word into a language we can understand. Oh, it's all right. Let me, yeah, forgive me. Go ahead. I'll wait till you there. No, and I. I disagree with uh, uh, a lot of things that you say, and I'm sure you disagree with a lot of things that I say. And so, you know, I, I respect your opinion. You're right to say it. I just, I don't believe what you believe. That's all. And obviously, you don't believe what I believe. So there's no, there's no coming together here and saying, okay, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, and let's all just agree to disagree. Because that means there's no truth. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. That's right. Okay. That's all I can say. I, right, ahead, I don't Mike. want to. Deb- I don't want to. I'm not the predominant. Yeah. So you know, 
my great let me, my great grandfather was was a, was a lifelong Baptist minister, Quinn Cooper. He was a Baptist preacher all his life, and he was a great man, and he was a knowledgeable man. But again, um, I studied with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh Day Adventists in and out up the yin yang for years. And the variations and differences in the interpretations and applications of Scripture are so wide, widely different and diverse, and there's a reason for that. It goes back to what Peter said. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. So it's all I'm, in fact, let me not say anything else. Dan, if Dan, did Dan push one yet? Can you have Dan come in and let I Dan? I know. I, 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 I thought he had some new questions for the doctor. That's what I, because I know we covered a lot last week. I wanted to get some new voices on here. I don't know if Dan pushed one. Let me see. Uh, what, what's the area code? Do you know? Uh, I, let me see I, Dan's I, number. I, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to get any of these, these trolls on here that are going to disrupt the show. So I got to be careful. Right, right, yeah. Let me uh-huh. let me give you Dan. Dan's uh, well, number it, would be... Is it 772? Yeah, yeah, 772. All right, okay, there it is. Okay, let me get Dan on here. Okay, Dan, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Thank you. Okay. Well, there's a, a couple points I'd like to bring up, and, and partially, you know, agreeing with Mike here, but first of all, the Bible's only been around for a few hundred years, so to say that that our Heavenly Father put this perfect uh, scripture down for us to use, why he waited till just a few hundred years ago for all of us to have it uh, remains a mystery then to me. Why are we ignoring what Christ himself said, that to comfort us and educate us and guide us would be the Holy Spirit? And even Christ himself, when he walked and he talked amongst the brethren and sent the apostles out later on, they didn't go out with any written material. It was all verbal. So for thousands of years, 1,500 years approximately, you know, we were, we were quite fine letting the Holy Spirit guide us. But now we have to have something in writing that we all agree to in order to be brethren, in order to fulfill his mission upon the earth. I find that somewhat ludicrous. And number two, the ancient manuscripts don't even all agree. Like John 3.16 is not in the oldest Greek manuscripts that still exist, and yet it's in the newer ones, and it's in your English version. Okay, so which one's right? The main thing is that you're, you're right. Truth is truth, and truth is verifiable, and truth will stand the test of uh, investigation. So when Scripture says, thou shalt not kill, that's a lie. And that's what the King James says. I know I grew up in a Methodist church. And when I ask him, why does it say thou shalt not kill, but we violate it all the time? We execute criminals. We execute enemy soldiers and rapists. So why do we do that when it commands us not to kill? Well, it's perfectly answerable because the original word wasn't to kill. It was commit murder. Okay, well, committing murder is different than killing. See, so it is proved out a truth will stand the test of time and stand a question of logic and rational thinking. I, as a teenager in the Methodist Church, was bothered by that. Nobody could ever answer the question. Even the, even the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, when we already have a commandment that says don't covet your neighbor's wife. In fact, don't covet anything of your neighbor. Why, with only ten rules, would you duplicate two? Well, when you get back to the original language, the word was not adultery. It was 
mukesus in the Septuagint language, which means to mongrelize. Okay, you don't mongrelize anything. You don't mongrelize your cattle. You don't mongrelize your pets. You don't mongrelize your vineyard. And you sure as hell don't mongrelize your children. And the concept that we're all just one race and we can just mingle amongst ourselves does not stood up to the test of scrutiny by the scientific community. One of the books on my shelf right over here is Anthology of Racial Issues, which is study after study after study before it became politically incorrect to tell the truth that eugenics is actually a science. Eugenics is a fact. You look at horses that are in, in uh, millions of dollars for these horses that race. They're all thoroughbreds. You won't find a mixed in there anywhere. At the dog shows, who wins? Thoroughbreds. All right? So in nature, it's the thoroughbreds that stand the test of time. And who hates the fact that anything's pure? The Antichrist. The Antichrist is against anything pure, including racial purity and purity of truth and purity of the fact that we're now supporting homosexuality. When I was a child, people would have laughed you off the street if you said we were going to accept homosexual marriages. And today we do. Or we would accept trans, uh, transgenderism and all that. We would have laughed at you. What? That's ludicrous. And today it's being promoted even in the mainstream churches, which I consider idolaters, all of them. If Christ were here today, he wouldn't step foot in a mainstream church. I can guarantee you that. Because they're just like all the other mainstream everything. They teach a doctrine that is counter to what he taught when he walked amongst us. Well, I can I say a couple things. Uh, I'm not going to go back to your whole argument, but I'll, I will say this. The Bible, books we have haven't been written just 200 years. Maybe we're we're talking about the Jews had the Torah. Moses wrote a book. Job's the oldest book in the Bible. They weren't written just 200 years ago. And the Septuagint itself, there's a problem there, you see, because only the Levites had the right to write that Old Testament, you see. And it was written by members of every tribe. And so 11 of the tribes were out of line. That's another problem. And, and then there's a school of philosophy that comes out of, out of Alexandria. When we say manuscripts, the oldest manuscripts, they're not the oldest manuscripts, okay? And, and the prophecies of the Old Testament itself, and you couldn't get a Jew to change that in, in 4,000 years. The prophecies in itself that tell where Christ is going to be born, how he's going to be born, when he's going to be born, where he's going to be born, and how he's going to die stands the test of time. The Sinaiticatus and the Vaticanus manuscript, the Sinaiticatus and the Alexandrian manuscript, disagree with themselves in 2,000 places just in the New Testament alone. The earliest manuscript we have is the Rilus Papyra, and that's a piece of John. And then, at, then you get to uh, your whole manuscripts, which come in, your greater portions of the manuscript. And the manuscripts that the apostles used went up through Syria and then up into the Latin, up that way. And so anything that came out of Alexandria, Egypt, came from a school of philosophy, a, Platonius, a Platonian school, where you had uh, uh, 
what's his name that castrated himself. Um, I can't think of his name. But I have a problem with manuscript and manuscript evidence. And, and you know, uh, the Sinaiticatus, which was found in, by uh, Tregellis, or Kitchendorf, rather, in Mount Sinai in a garbage can at St. Catherine's, is, is not an older manuscript. And older is not necessary to be better. And some of them are palimpsests. Some of them are write-overs. And they've been corrected. And when you study those manuscripts, you see that. Okay? And the Texas Receptus itself, where it says uh, in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay? The Word, the Logos, is God. But in your King James, it's capitalized. You see, to tell you that, and so I believe, I don't. I believe we have one God, one baptism, one Spirit, one book. And when you say mainstream Christianity, there's people all over the world that are calling themselves Christians that are definitely not Christians. They don't have the same Jesus, and I know you'll agree with that. And when you say that Jesus wouldn't step a foot in those churches, that's why we're in the Laodicean age, and He's outside knocking on the door. Because he ain't even in the church of today. And and I agree with you. Satan's a progressive. But let's go back a little bit to ancient, the ancient world itself, and look at those spirits of Baal and Venus and Ishtar and Ashtaroth and uh, uh, Molech. And let's, let's, what happened to them when Western civilization grasped Christianity? Those there were people no longer worshiping those false gods and those demons, those principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of the world, they lost their power. And the only way they could get back into Western society and into Christian nations or, or places that were following the Judeo or we say Judeo-Christian following Christ was to get rid of the truth because you can't tell a lie when you got the truth. And so what happens is they broke down the truth. They got rid of Christianity in our schools. They got rid of, you know, uh, teaching of the Bible, the reading of the Bible. They got rid of it in our courthouses. They got, you know, church separation of church and state, which really means that states don't run churches, and that's all it means. And so they did that. And as they broke society down, the demon, Baal, Baal worship was the worship. Even Israel got into trouble over that. And it was the worship of a God who brought prosperity and wealth and reigned and did all these great things. He was the bull. And so he, he, we went through that revelation, that drug culture in the 60s. And, them, and, and so we saw this were money and prosperity. And then we end up with the bull sitting in front of Wall Street, Baal, you see. And so what's the second demon of darkness to show up in America? It becomes Ishtar, Venus, sexual immorality as we called it in the 70s, the sexual revolution, you see? And so what's really going on is a, is the, it's a return of those spirits. They have found their way in. This is why the Bible talks about it. It's not evolution. It's devolution. It's all going down. And this is why our nation's in the state it's in. And this is why we have the leaders that we have and the immorality we have in the breakdown of the word of God when they come in and, and brought in the revised version, because when you study, when you study uh, Westcott and Hort, who brought the revised version, 
their goal was to get rid of the Texas Receptus, which was used by the manuscripts used by the apostles, you see. And that was their goal, and they clearly stated they belonged to a ghost guild, and they, and they wanted to bring forth, and they supplanted it. And that's why it was rejected, the revised version, by sound doctrine Christians. They rejected it. But now it's been watered down. When you read these new so-called Bibles, they, they turn Jesus into an avatar. They turn Jesus into the one that's coming, see? And that goes along with the occult. That goes along with the New Age movement. Now they're coming out with a New Age Bible, you see? And those Bibles that watered down to God and took out 1 John 5, 7, and and, and Acts uh, uh, taught people that they could get saved by being baptized in water, and and all those things and all those teachings and race and putting race in the Bible, all those things that they've done has found its way into our politics, into our schools, into our children, and they're after our children. That's who they're after. And that's how they're getting in. And, and so Christianity, we say Christianity. I drive by churches out here in Connecticut, uh, Methodist churches, uh, uh, and they've got, you know, the gay flag in front of it. Well, well, you know, and anybody who goes in a church, how could you not know the word of God? It says it's an abomination for a man to lie with a man. Okay. But the Romans tells us that they're receiving a just recompense. Those people are already under judgment. That's the judgment they got because they worship the creature more than the creator. God gave them over to a reptile mind to do that, which is inconvenient. You see? And so those homosexuals, the LGB or the alphabet people, they're already under a judgment of God. And that's why I want to interject. Interject here. Everything you're saying there, as you know, Peter, you and I agree eye to eye on the state of the of the condition of the world. You know, in terms of morality and and godly issues. You know, we see eye to eye on those issues. The the, the is all I'm ultimately saying here, because that's the most important issue to begin with, anyway, the one you're just addressing. But there are peripheral issues that I believe are just as important. One of the reasons I brought Dan in asked him to come in tonight was to re to redress again the issue of adam and what the name means uh, one of the problems with you know um again i'll say mainstream christianity today or the perspective that they get from the bible is that adam and eve were it the garden of eden there was nothing else here no other nations no kingdoms they were it number one boom and they're the they're the mother and father of every human being on earth and that is just flat out not true not only is there evidence of that in the bible because cain went off to the land of nod and there was a king named nod the kingdom of nod you know there, there were there were other beasts upon this earth adam and eve came here for a reason there was a fall and they were put here as the sons of god to put their house back in order but they fell and that's why Jesus was the second Adam, to, show, to again, be an ensample, as Peter would say, unto people. To, and he came specifically, as we discussed last Friday, for Israel. He came for the lost sheep of Israel to get them back on track. That was the point. So on that, I want to let Dan kind of uh, uh, readdress well, that issue of the name me, Adam, what it meant, where it comes from, and the whole lineage of Adam, all the way down to Abraham, down to King David, all the way to Ab- uh, Jesus Christ himself, who for official accounts uh indicate he was a man with golden brown hair and blue eyes and fair skin um i'd like to let dan just elaborate on on that issue before dan goes on with that i just want to address one thing you said you you know and people ask me this a lot where did not i mean where did cain get his wife okay if if adam and eve were you know if it was in that small time well 
you have to read the Bible. It says clearly in the process of time. It didn't happen bing bang. It was in the process of time. You see? And so when you understand it was in the process of time. It well, I know, there's, I, know I, I fully understand the way that, again, the mainstream Christian thought is to try to justify it and make it work. But, but there's just too much uh, that defies that. I mean, even the idea that, that Noah and his three children, Shem, Japheth, and Seth, were, were, were the father of, of Negroes and Chinamen and Japanese and, and Koreans and Indians. It's absurd. No, God created all the different. In fact, the Bible refers to those who were not Israelites as beasts. Creation. Human. Go, go ahead, Dan. Creatures, creatures. The, the, the word in the ancient Aramaic and Hebrew was a, a creature. The, the English translator used the word beast, creature, a creation of the Father. And the, the, one of the biggest problems is this whole nonsense of, of equating Israel with a country that's called Israel today. In Scripture, Israel is always referring to Jacob. Jacob had a name change to Israel, man ruling as or with God, El. Ishrael, and that was a people. His sons became 12 tribes, which is traced all through Europe, which, by the way, means white face. All, all, all the fingerprints of the Israelites are found in the travelings of our tribes. Nobody else. The reason the scriptures were written in languages that our people read and nobody else read, Okay, for thousands and thousands of years, the languages that all scripture was written in, only our people could read it. It wasn't written in anything any other ancient culture could read. Well, why was that? If, if our father, Yahweh heaven, of heaven and earth, wanted everybody to know it because they're all the same and everybody's supposed to know his law, his logos, his plan, by the word, the word logos also means plan. The plan was with the father from the beginning. So not only the spoken word, logos, which requires intelligence, that's why it's the word logic comes from that. Logos also means the plan, because a plan also requires intelligence. So the plan for this world has always been with the Creator Father. So, again, why, was, why were only certain languages used for all these ancient writings of our people, our travels, and about our Heavenly Father and our destiny here upon this earth? Adam means to show blood in the face or blush. There's only one race that does that. There's only, only Adamic people have here, been here for about seven, 8,000 years. There is no record of a Caucasoid that's older than that. That doesn't exist. But these other races, they do. They go back tens of thousands of years. And that's because, again, another error is that the flood covered the whole earth. No, it didn't. It covered an area, Eratz in the Hebrew which means an area. It can be a large area. It could be a small area. It just means an area. There was an area between mountain ranges that got flooded and killed the people that were there during the time of Noah. doesn't mean the entire world was covered, because what did Eskimos need to be drowned for? What did the Aborigines of Australia need to be drowned for? They didn't have the law. How could they have violated the law and need to be killed by a flood? But the people in that area where Noah was certainly did. They were our people, and they rebelled. And he said, I'm going to destroy you for that, just as the end of this earth age, which is where we're at right now. He said, I'm going to bring my judgment upon my people. Why? Because of our rebellion. We are in the great rebellion right now. 
and we're all sitting around arguing over the interpretation of manuscripts, completely ignoring the facts that are right in front of us, the empirical evidence that's all around us, and the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks to his people. It's a relationship. If you've got a relationship with our Father, he is speaking to you. If some other spirit is speaking to you, then shame on you. You've got something else going on. By the way, Peter? did you know that William, William and Mary College was a seminary, right? Back in the 1600s in this, in this country when we were colonies. William and Mary College, like Yale and Harvard and all the rest of them, were seminaries. Do you know that to enter William and Mary College as a freshman in seminary, you had to be able to read, write, speak, and debate in ancient Greek? Now, why do you suppose that was? Why do you suppose every pastor coming through William and Mary College had to be able to, to understand Greek if we're supposed to ignore the Greek language? For instance, in your English Bibles, it uses the word brother. It comes from a Greek word, adelphos, which means from the womb. What do you think brother was supposed to mean? A kinsman, just like Yeshua was referred to as a kinsman redeemer. And in Matthew, when he said, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Jacob, Israel. He didn't say I came from the Gentiles, which means the non-Israelites, by the way, people outside of our race. That's why when the woman in Matthew, or uh, yeah, in Matthew, that wanted the blessing was referred to as a dog. Because in that time, dogs were considered people outside of that race and that faith. Hey, Dan. I've got I've got a couple other people with their hand up that want to ask a question if you don't uh, if it's all right um, real quick uh, keep it short everybody please because man my main mainly I wanted Dan on here tonight because Dan you know him and I spoke privately uh, last week and he wanted to you know discuss a few things which he, he's done so uh, very well and I appreciate that Dan uh, so I'm gonna unmute uh, eight six three and then two three four eight six three go ahead. Hello, Mr. Gibson. I figured I'd reciprocate and give your show a call. Oh, wow. How long has it been since you called in? Oh, my goodness. I was, I was wondering. I, that number looked familiar, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Just uh, yeah, go ahead. I'd just keep it clean. And, and <laughs> check, check and see when you're alive. I saw you were alive. Figured I'd jump in there. All right. Well, you know, Block Talk Radio, we're under strict, we're, we're, we're censored here, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I haven't forgotten. Blog Talk's run by the Jews. I get it. Um, Excuse me. All right, the, go uh, ahead. Joseph. <laughs> yes. The uh, question so that I have yeah, hang on one second. for the, the, Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on. Uh, Bert, hang on one second. Uh, Peter, what'd you say? I have Dr. Sam Gipp on the telephone with me, and he's written many books on the uh, King James Bible. And okay, I'm, can I'm, he call in? Can, can he call oh, in after Bert? No, he's on our line here. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Let let let, me, let Bert go. Bert, go ahead, and then I'll uh, go to the doctor. Go ahead, Bert. Bert, I already unmuted. Bert, go ahead. Well, I've been listening for a while, and it's uh, how to word this. Uh, my intention is not to offend here. Uh, I am a, a practic- uh, non-practicing Catholic, as it were, and I totally relate to the Christian side of this, but 
where I tend to come to loggerheads with people of the Christian faith is when they like to dump things into God's laps and do nothing about it to follow up with it. This is, to me, it's like fingernails across a chalkboard. We'll just pray, pray the gay away, pray, 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 dump it all in God's lap. He'll fix everything. I just want to put it out there that I am vehemently against that type of thinking. And I just want to point out something in the Bible, since everybody uh, seems to be well-versed in the Bible um, in this situation. It does not say in the Bible anywhere that God is going to save us. It says in the Bible that we must save ourselves from evil. So that being said, where is sitting around crying about all this stuff and pointing out how we was kings or we wasn't kings at one time? How is this going to fix anything? So I challenge anybody to tell me what type of activism uh, has anybody taken to the streets? Has anybody done anything to change any of what we're seeing now? What all the talking heads are so upset about, like Sean Hannity, uh, like Tucker Carlson, all these people that everybody on the right looks up to. I'm not saying that you folks do. I'm just saying in general. They all say the same thing, the talking heads. Well, this is happening. This is wrong. When is somebody going to do something about it? My biggest frustration is, when are you going to do something about it? So I guess that would be my question. Has anybody done anything to change anything as it were today? Can I interject That's a good question? Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. You got the floor with your doctor. Go ahead. And, and what, let's can we come back to this gentleman for Bert for a minute? Because I I yeah, went out of the way. Go I, ahead. Sandbagged, I sandbagged Doctor Gibb. Doctor Gibb is an okay. expert on the on the King James Bible and the translations. And and I and I'm I wanted to to go back to Dan and the other gentlemen who are on and and explain why you know what what's considered the oldest and the best manuscripts and why we need to go back to the original Hebrew to understand the Bible. Could, go ahead, could Peter. You, could you explain that to Dr. Gifford? I'm sorry, do you want him to explain it or me? No, I wanted him to explain it because... Okay, you, sure. Uh, no, not Dr. Gift. I wanted, you know, Dr. Gift to respond to that because I yeah, wanted Dan. him to hear that. Yeah, Dan, go ahead, Dan. I wasn't saying anything. No, he wanted you to reiterate your points. He wanted to reiterate from your earlier about the the translation of the Bible and everything, those points you made earlier, because he has a doctor on the phone that's an expert, I guess, in this, and then we'll address Bert after that. Go ahead. Oh, well, no, I was just saying that, you know, I've been reading, trying to find out about the manuscripts, which ones to believe when I first came to learning this message 40 years ago, and all I could see is there's tremendous debate and questions in all kinds of circles, academic circles, about the legitimacy of these ancient texts, which we have almost zero full manuscripts of any chapters or any books of the Bible, fragments usually. And not all the fragments agree with each other, whether they're in Aramaic Hebrew or they're in the ancient Greek. So, you know, and then I brought up the point about William and Mary College, like so many seminaries in this country, but I know for a fact William and Mary College required the entrance uh, to be applied, a freshman applying at William and Mary had to be able to read, write, speak, and debate in ancient Greek. And my contention is that's because the most reliable full manuscripts were the Septuagint, which was the scholars that got together and gathered up the remnants of the original Hebrew texts 
and put it in a more modern language, which you can imagine that was something people thought about, and they did it at Alexandria, and they came up with the Septuagint, which means 70. 70 scholars got together, and they took the existing manuscripts and came up with it a more modern language, which was the Greek language, because in our world, our people, many of them spoke Greek because there was a lot of uh, uh, international trade going on, even back in that day, and Greek was the common language, much like English is today. And so they translated into that Koina Greek, which is street Greek or basic Greek, and that was so people could read those texts. And now we get down to English today, which I have probably 50 different hard copies of English translations, and I probably have 100 or more electronic versions, and they all differ. So my contention is to the people telling me the King James, which I find to be the, 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 the grossest errors made in the King James being the only in, inerrant word of God, I find that to be ludicrous. Okay, first of all, it's in English. None of these things we're talking about were originally written in English. In fact, <laughs> it's just the fact that Jesus, okay, now where do we get the word Jesus from? From the German Bibles. Why? Because capital J-E-S-U and S-U-S in German is the German equivalent to the Greek word Jesus, which is what they use for Yahshua. So in the German Bibles, we saw J-E-S-U-S, and when it came to the modern English, from Middle English to the modern English, we kept that, and but now we pronounce it with the modern J sound and say his name was Jesus. That's where it came from. Originally, it was Jesus in the Greek, Yeshua in the Hebrew. So even people that are standing around saying, oh, you're not calling him by the proper name. His name is Jesus. No, you're ludicrous. I'm sorry. Not in English. There was no J sound in any ancient language, first of all. That's a, that's a more modern pronunciation of the letter J. In fact, the German J is actually Yot, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew Yod. So it's got almost the exact same name for that letter, and the pronunciation at the front end of a word is the Y sound, even in German to this day. Jesus. Jesus from Yahshua. Yahweh saves. Yah meaning I am, the great I am, Yahweh. I am that I am. Yeah, let me interject a, a quick point on what Dan is saying. Just another angle. Well, hang on, on hang this. on, hang on. Doctor, I want Dr. Peter Ventura. He's, he's got his friend on the line there. I want him to go ahead and I'll address this about the King James. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was Dan was talking. Dan? Yes, sir. Correct. Is that the bell? Okay. Uh, he's wrong several places. Um, there's 6,006 uh, manuscripts or portions of manuscripts of the Greek New Testament. The um, probably the last figure people use is 5,500, but that's 1994. That was uh, Kurt Allen. Uh, I'm working on a book now. This catalog in every Greek manuscript. So there's last number was 6,006, and only 58 of those back uh, the Alexandrian text. <clears throat> and he said that none of them are in, in full book form, which would be codex. Uh, thousands of them are complete texts. Thousands of them. There are some, uh, when they translated, they didn't translate the whole New Testament. Sometimes they would do just the Gospels. That would be an evan they, they call it the evangelist. Sometimes it would be, uh, it would be Acts and the, the uh, general epistles. Uh, 
Peter, for the P- James, the Peters, the Johns, and Jude. Uh, sometimes it would be Paul, sometimes it would be Revelation. They'd be divided in four. So there may be a manuscript is complete of the four Gospels or of, of some other portion. But there are also thousands that are from, from Matthew uh, to Revelation. Now, there are fragments. I, I was in the British Library a few years ago uh, looking at some of the manuscripts, and uh, uh, I'm holding in my hand, it's, it's an 8.5 by 11 sheet, and it's clear, and then stuck in, in the place about four fragments of a page. So I understand what Dan's talking about, but to, to say that there's no, no full manuscripts, that's kind of uh, that's, that's gross error. I was uh, including second thing. the Old Testament. Oh, well, there's I a lot of I was primarily referring to the Old Testament, the old parchments. Uh, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna. I don't. There, the Old Testament is well, well documented. No, I'm talking about the original manuscripts. Every book I've ever read on it admits the fact that there's very little extent at this time, and has been for quite some time. That's one reason why the people rely on the Septuagint, because, yes, you're right, there's a lot of so-called Greek manuscripts around, floating around. They don't all agree with each other, but there's lots okay. of them. But when you get okay. back to the Aramaic Hebrew of the original Old Testament, the old parchments, which is three-quarters of your scripture, those are almost non-existent. Okay. Unless you've got um, some hiding somewhere, somebody's dug up in the last 10 years, uh, up until then, everybody's pretty much agreed there are no full books, mostly fragments, very little existing, and that's why it was even a problem back in the days of the, the creation of the Septuagint. The, the original manuscripts were disappearing, and so that's why they translated um, into the more common you know, Greek. The, the, the Levites were the caretakers of the, of the Old Testament. They would always have... A, a manuscript. They would always have a full manuscript. I don't. I don't understand what you're. What, what, yeah, what you're was, now you're, talk, you're talking thousands of years like ago. I'm talking in the last two thousand years. Yeah, and on, the us, Levites, on that point, I'd like to interject the reality of that. Begs the question of where are they and who's putting them together to begin with. And this is a exactly. vital part of the. And this is a vital part of the point I'm always trying to make. Um, you know, we hear about. Um, what was it, Council of Trent, Council of Laodicea, that where where, where the the Catholic Church put the decided to put the Bible together, and here here we have you know Christians, Protestants who know that the Catholic Church is a you know is the beast power referred to in Daniel and Revelation, and yet they're accepting a book that was put together by that organization. Oh, the, the Catholic Church didn't put the Bible together. That's that's a that's falsehood. Yeah, that's the, a falsehood. The church has always had the Bible. I'm talking about the true church, not the Catholic church. But back to Dan. Hey, let me, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, Septuagint, uh, LXX, uh, it, means 50, it means 70. Uh, supposedly, uh, there were not 70. There were 12 from each tribe. There were 72. They just called it the LXX. It's called the LXXII. Um, there is no evidence. There is uh, the oldest manuscript they have. Uh, of, an, of a Greek Old Testament is the Von, Ryl, Von Ryland's Papyrus uh, 458. It's, it's about four chapters of Deuteronomy, and that's dated at 150 B.C. Uh, the supposed Septuagint was done in 250 B.C. You can't find a manuscript on the planet from 250 B.C. in Greek, uh, the Old Testament. 
Um, basically, what people say, uh, I have one. I, I, can go, I can go into my office right now and I pick off the shelf, and here it is, the Septuagint. And, and when you read it, it's just the fifth column of um, uh, Origins Hexapla, which was actually 4th century A.D. Uh, he's the one. He did a, uh, a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And, and when you pick up a Septuagint, you're not getting anything from the Old Testament. You're getting uh, what Origen did in the 4th century, nothing from 250 B.C. So, so there's, there, is no, there is no 250 B.C. evidence of a Septuagint. Sorry. I got a quick question. Well, wait, wait. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard you. Uh, you know, you, you, get, you get refuted, and the next thing you want to do is just run to another question. What do you do with that? Well, no, no, no. I'm, unless people are going to pull out evidence of books that we're going to be talking about, we're just going to go back and forth. I got another question. This has to do with reality. I've got a Bible sitting here that was my grandmother's from 1855. It's a King James. Now, does your King James have the books of the Apocrypha in it? Of course not. Okay, but my grandmother's 1855 King James does. That's because Why were there they were taken seven, out? Because Why there were, were they seven? taken out? Well, will you let me speak? Will you let me speak? <laughs> well, you started talking before I was finished, so I didn't think you heard me. Well, why don't you just stop for a second? Okay. There's, every, there's every a second lag time. When on the Internet, there's a second lag time, so sometimes people talk over each other by accident, okay? But go ahead, sir. Go ahead. All right. Um, every English translation before the King James put the Apocrypha in between the Testaments. They didn't integrate it into the Old Testament like the Roman Catholic Church did. They did not believe it was inspired. Uh, in my, in my uh, book, An Understandable History of the Bible, it gives the seven reasons why the King James translators did not believe it was inspired. None of the authors of the, of the, uh, the books of the Apocrypha ever claimed inspiration. Uh, I can document, if you wish, uh, give me an address. I'll send you from, uh, from the two Maccabees, I'll send you the three different conflicting deaths of Antiochus Epiphanes. He dies three different deaths in three different places at three different times uh, in the Apocrypha. You can't get bigger uh, contradictions in your life than that. What they did, why, the re- why they put it between the Testaments is because it was a little bit of history for the 400 silent years. Um, some Kings James, they didn't even have the page numbers uh, on the Apocrypha. It, it stopped at the Old Testament, started at the New, uh, started at Matthew. And many people uh, would take their King James in the early days and literally take it to a binder, have the Apocrypha taken out, and have it put together without it. So no one believed it was a scripture, so it not being in, in the Bible is no big deal. Well, there's many books more than that that were kept out. And who are these wise, um, who are these wise who, who is this wise counsel you're referring to that decided for humanity what books go in and what don't? Well, I didn't say wise counsel. You didn't hear me say the word wise counsel, did you? Well, that they did have you hear to me say that? Did you, what, what, you, did yeah, you hear no, me say I'm those saying, words? No, I'm saying okay, you, said, wise, you said I said the ones that. Deciding. They're the ones deciding what books go. So, yeah, this wise counsel, well, they must be wise. Well, uh, who are they you're referring to? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a work. At, uh, I've got it down on the uh, canon. Um, I, do, I used to do a 24-hour King James seminar. I'd teach for 24 hours on the book. And we would do the, uh, we would do the, uh, the canon. And it was the church fathers that documented the 27 books that belonged in the uh, New Testament by the 2nd century. 
So I don't know that that was a, what you call that a council, but, but they were closer to the originals than you and I were. So they're the ones that said these belong in there and these don't. Uh, I don't know that you want to reopen that debate, and I don't know that anybody alive today is qualified to uh, better judge than him. And you were saying a little while ago that there weren't even any manuscripts going back to that time. I don't even know what you're talking about. Earlier we were talking I said, about... I said, I, said, I said there's no Greek manuscripts of the Old Testament that are 250 B.C. We, you were just now talking about the New Testament... And I was answering that. That's kind of a cross, uh, right. weren't, cross weren't interpretation. These people, weren't, weren't these people privy to the Old Testament back then? You'd think they would be if they were God's people and they were, you know, following Yahushua. I well, I would imagine. Uh, the question but I was they, asked earlier, you know, uh, also, the, there was another question asked is why, you know, the dumping in God's lap, I believe you said, I don't know if you guys remember the question or not, is, is you know, just pray with the problems that we, you know, because it's getting more modern, the times which we can all agree on is that our country's falling apart, our world's, world is falling apart, and we see homosexuals getting accepted into the church, and everything's just pray, 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 that's what the gentleman asked, uh, I don't know if you remember that question, is why, what, what is it people doing, what are they doing about it, is there any activism, or is there any, you know, uh, Anything standing up for God in the streets out there of America today? Yeah, let me answer that, that please. Peter let, me, yes. let me answer that quickly. Um, yes, people like Dan and I sharing the truth in the face of people who have a vested interest in, in pride and ego and mainstream Christianity and being proud of their college university degrees and their, you know, that's all controlled by the enemy to begin with. So getting higher truth and awareness to people out there, because right now we're going through the time of the sifting, we're going through the shaking, the wheats and the tares, those that are true seekers of truth and those that are just going to go the way of the world and the false Christianity and the false doctrines and the false teachings. So that's kind of what's happening right now. That's okay. All right. Peter's friend, uh, Peter's friend if, you want, if you want to expound upon that, I want to give you some time, sir. Uh, well, I just, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out what he's, if he's talking about being out t- socially giving the gospel or, or trying to save the country. Um, I have to admit, uh, I have uh, watching what's been happening in our country lately has made me want to apologize to the German people of uh, 1935 to 40. That was when uh, Hitler was he was voted in as chancellor in 1935. He became dictator in 1940. And I, I don't know if anybody listening to me has ever said it, but I said it. I know many people have said, why didn't the German people stop him? Why didn't they do something? And now I realize watching the guy that's in the White House now doing the exact same things Hitler did uh, to, to set up a dictatorship. Um, I know why they didn't. They couldn't. Uh, we can go down the streets, preach the gospel, and get some folks saved. That's a good deal. Uh, if somebody wants to go down and protest against what's going on, I, I don't know that's going to turn it around. Uh, I, I I don't know that somebody's going to go down there and say, I, I don't know what you say, uh, get the commie, the, get the Chinese guy out of out of the country or uh, close the border. Uh, I don't know if those are the subjects that uh, people need to go down the streets about because that's never changed anything. What's your name, speaker, man that's speaking right now? Dr. Samuel C. Gipp, G-I-P-P. Dr. Samuel, how do you spell it? G-I-P? Gipp, G-I-P as in Peter, G-I-P-P. Okay, Gipp, Dr. Samuel Samuel Gipp. Yeah, I'd like to answer the question for you on why the German people, I'd like for you to see for yourself why the German people didn't stop him and paraded him on. I encourage you 
you're obviously an educated man, to watch all 12 hours of Europa, the last battle, from beginning to end without having any prejudices in the first five minutes or ten or hour. Uh, I would strongly encourage you as an intelligent man who hopefully is genuinely a man of God to watch all 12 hours of Europa, the last battle, and then you'll know why the German people paraded Hitler on. Okay. All right, Mike. I got uh, one other guy who wants to come in real quick here. Uh, well, actually, I got a couple here. Real quick, and remember, uh, just try to keep it quick. Uh, two, three, four. Go ahead. Good evening, gentlemen. It's Tave. Mike, Dan, how you guys doing? Peter, uh, I want to say this. You want to know what needs to be done, how we can change this? We need to stop uh, pushing around the word and address what needs to be called out, and it's designism. Designists, these people that actually – I, I may explained it to Dr. Ventura, I think it was a week or two ago, where I've now found out where we always talk about, we say the word Jew. It's misconstrued. The Bible even says they will call themselves Jews, but they are not. Okay, we're talking about the people of Khazaria, which actually came down from below Mongolia and Turkey. Okay, their king decided after he was being forced in between, there was going to be the, the, the Ottoman and Byzantine empires were going to go to war. And they said, you pick a side, and he had to choose between your Muslims, your Christianity, Judaism. He chose Judaism. He then, now mind you, these are a sect of people that are not of any Middle Eastern descent whatsoever, zero done, DNA, none. They take on the name Jew under Judaism. They are the ones that the Bible speaks of, of the synagogue of Satan, that will claim to be the Jews and that are not. These people are your Zionists now that have taken over hijacked every outfit in media. You have everything in your schools, your, your everything, your That's banking right. systems. They've infiltrated everything. Now, right. when I used to, when I started learning this and I was turned on to Europa, the last battle, I do recommend that more than anything in the world to anybody that's listening. If you can take the time to watch it, you, your, your mindset will change because everything you've been told is a lie. And now, okay. I bring All up right. the, the fact of the Bible. Let me say this about the World Cup, about the Bible. I want to know why, if, if the people that own the first printing and the mass production of the Bible itself on, are man. these people, the Kazarians, or whatever you want to call them. I want to call them the uh, Knights of Malta, okay, the Hidden Hand. Now, if they control the media and the propaganda, the most published piece of propaganda is going to be the Bible after the altercation or the alternate uh, choices they make to prosper through their victimization. Now, by doing that, they put themselves in a narrative that they can this self-fulfilling prophecy that they've come to now because they don't, right. they, they're not stupid people. They spit in Jesus' face. They denounce his father. And it's it basically they're not the Jews. So when it, this anti-Semite stuff comes up, I get so upset because I'm anti-Israel. I'm anti-funding any country while our own country goes into peril and has fallen. And these people that are the Zionists, the ones we were talking about from 2,000 years ago to currently, still have control over everybody in this country. And now they've got our, their, hand, their foot on our neck because if you speak okay, out against right, them, you got a target on the back. There, Kate. Yeah. Right. Okay, all right. Well, Joe, I was going to my question was going to be, why did they take the certain here. books of the Bible? Why aren't there all the books of the Bible, like Enoch? Why were they taken out? Why were they not put in? Why were they hidden in caves? Because they had 
another agenda. That, what, that's my question. Why are so yeah, many all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, don't answer your own there. question, Dave. Okay. All right. That's no, the question yeah, that's you want to ask the Uh, the, the doctor that was just on prior, he had asked, I guess, the question, why are some books left out of yeah. the Bible and uh, and others uh, obviously kept? Uh, no books are left out of the Bible. You there's know, a lot of there's, there there are a lot of of uh, pseudepigrapha. They're they're false books of the Bible. The uh, Gospel of Peter, the Epistle of Barnabas. Uh, the okay, COVID. Let's focus on Enoch. Let's focus on Enoch. Enoch is an inspired book. It isn't an inspired book. It doesn't belong in the Bible. Just because you think it does, we should put it in. It doesn't belong in the Bible. Just because you think it doesn't, we shouldn't. Uh, it's never been in. I'm not the one who took it out. I don't know. I'm the one who didn't put it in. So right, this is it was me. It's never been put this in. This is ultimately the substance of the discussion is who the powers that be are that are manipulating and controlling what the Bible is. That's the ultimate. Well, control. you know what, Doc? If you're going to find a conspiracy under every rock, uh, you will be busy the rest of your life. A conspiracy. That's, uh, that's such a classic term that's used by the very enemy themselves to try to pigeonhole yeah. people. That's yeah, that's it. Anybody that disagrees with you is the enemy. Yeah, I'm brokenhearted. Well, Mike. Well, Mike, why does Mike, not, yeah, the big yeah, question is, why does nobody stand up and do anything about it? Nobody, everybody's about, afraid about to stand up and say anything about it. About, about what it. That, what's the that it? That gentleman just hit, he hit the nail right on the head with what he said. You guys, mm-hmm. I, I endorse that 100%. You're open to the last battle. That is a fantastic story to watch. It's long. Check it out. That gives you a little bit of insight of what we're dealing with today. And, yes, the Jews do have their kosher boots on our throats right now and we're down on the ground and everybody wants to sit around and argue about the bible and what happened thousands of years ago that's great but that isn't going to accomplish anything and that isn't going to fix our situation our peril that we're in right now you need to stand up those who want to live let them fight those who do not want to fight in this world of eternal struggle do not deserve to live remember that okay just okay. you just said you, something. Well, can i say you. something no can i go say ahead, something Dr. Yeah, well, you just said somebody will get in the fight does not deserve to live. I mean, that's, that's like correct. declaring a death sentence for anybody that disagrees with you. Not d- you're, that, is that what you do? Don't, don't twist my words. I said, no, you, you said anybody that doesn't get in the fight. fight doesn't deserve to live. They don't deserve to live. So if you don't want to stand up for yourself, you want to go out there and spew nothing but the Bible, let me tell you something. Why do you There's think nothing God more important than the Bible, pal. weapons? Why do you think There's nothing God more important than the Bible. weapons? Swords, weapons. God gave his, his angels, his, the archangel, Michael, weapons, because they knew that wars could not be fought and won with kindness and turning the other cheek. Okay. Tell me I'm wrong. So then what do you reckon people do? What, what do you recommend they do? Go out and blow something up? I mean, you say people need to get involved no, and get active. What, do you, what, what should they do? Terrorism. Well, right well, now, what should they do? What is the activism? What is well, are you, are you going to let me talk? or? Yeah, sure, go for it. Okay. People need to stand up. First off, the first, the first step, go, go to the basic rehab programs that some people have been through. Take Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, okay? What do they teach you in these programs? The first step in fixing any problem is admitting that you have one. So do you or do you not admit that we have a problem with Jews in America? Yes or no? Uh, no, we don't. No, I, I am not anti-Israel. I'm sorry. 
You're, in, you're not anti-Israel. So the, no, when sir. you look up stories of the USS Liberty and Israeli fighter jets killing Americans, that's okay. We can talk about this all night. Uh, it's not the important, it's not the important uh, subject. Actually, the Bible is bigger. Yes, the Word of God is the most important subject. So, so when God's chosen people who believe that Jesus Christ is boiling in hot excrement in hell, say something, you're going to lick their boots? Oh, I never said he'd lick anybody's boots. That was kind of nice that you said that. That was kind of uh, crude. Well, that's, see, that sounds like that's where you're going with it. It sounds like no, Jesus no, that's what you said. No, wrong. No, any that's again. No, any that's it. Anybody disagrees with you, you argue their point for them. I believe Israel was <laughs> and still <laughs> is, guys. Hey, ho! You, I'll let you talk and let me talk. No, I'm not. That wasn't. I, I believe Israel is God's talk. chosen people. I think they still are God's chosen people. I think the people over that land are the Jews. Those, uh, they are God's folks, and um, they belong where they are. So what are we? Uh, we're Christians. So, well, if you're saved, have you been saved? Have you been saved? Have you trusted Christ? That's fine. He believes that. Um, I'm, I'm not that type of a Christian. No disrespect. Okay, then you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Did. What are you? You're probably okay. a Roman Catholic or something, right? I'm a non-practicing Catholic. Okay. Maybe Dan needs to educate him on who Israel actually is. Yeah, Dan, why don't you give a little quick uh, quickie on who Israel is for the matter benefit of Dr. Dan? That was one of the big, that was one of the big uh, questions, actually, that we did, were discussing, actually. Who are the actual Jews? Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, and then maybe the doctor can uh, uh, bring some evidence here. Israel, not Israel. Okay, first of all, like I, we said I earlier. That. What, was, what did the doctor say? He got cut off. I didn't hear it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't hear him. Uh, Dan, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I asked for Dan to speak, and then the doctor. Go ahead, Dan. Number one, the word Israel is used like it's a country when it's referring to Jacob and his descendants. That's the Israel of the Bible. There is no country Israel that's being referred to. All the all the prophecies talking about Israel. It's a people, not a land in Palestine. An artificial land, by the way. And these people that are called Jews, that word Jew, first of all, is only a few hundred years old. In Shakespeare's plays, he used the word ewe or you, E-W-E. So the word Jew, where does it come from? In the English Bibles, it's coming from a Greek word, eudios. And eudios, according to all the lexicons I've ever looked at, has two meanings, and you have to determine which meaning it is by the context of the, the verse that you're talking about. One, it is a person living in the old land of Judah, which became known as Judea. So it's basically saying a Judean. It could be any racial mix, but the land of Judea. The second connotation is of the tribe of Judah. So a Jehudite, a member of the 12 tribes, a descendant of Jacob, who was later named Israel. So you have to know the context. So this this whole misnomer of Jew is part, is confusion caused by uh, our adversary. In fact, the word Babylon and Babel in the ancient tongue and Babylon in the Greek tongue comes from a word that means confusion caused by admixture. What's the admixture? Mixing God's law with man's law. Mistranslation of words, sticking word sophistry and sorcery in there. The word Jew should never exist. I've told people for years, when you're reading any piece of paper with the word Jew in it, cross it out. 
and either say a person from Judea or a member of the 12 tribes. That's the only thing that fits. That's why it says okay. in, in Revelation 2.9, there are those who will say they are descendants of Jacob Israel, but they are not. They're of the synagogue of Satan. The people in Israel today have no blood ties to the Jacob Israel people at all. The Sephardics might have a little bit of blood of that line, Abrahamic line, but they're, they're only a small minority of the people there. So even they are a mixed multitude, whereas the Khazars, who make up the preponderance of people called Jews today, have no ties to the biblical people whatsoever. That's right. Okay. Take a second. I want the doctor to answer. Going back to, to that reality. of the, the, This goes all the way back to Genesis. Just take a quick overview, Dan, and obviously we're talking about a bad bloodline here. That's what we're talking about. And that bad bloodline leads all the way to these people that currently run this nation state called Israel that Dr. Gipp uh, has unfortunately been indoctrinated to believe in. Okay, all right, all right. I, don't call, I don't want to swing names. No, I don't want, no, we don't need to say he's indoctrinated. I'm not saying that disrespectfully right, Dan, at all. Dan, Dan, Mike, Mike, ahead, okay, Dan. let Dan. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, this goes from Genesis 3.15 on. There's two different seed lines in this world. There's the, the seed of the woman, which is the Israel people, the, the true Israel, Jacob Israel people, and the seed line of the serpent. Okay, if you read recently, within the last few months, they've been very outspoken, these Israelis and the rabbis, etc., very outspoken about the fact that everybody that's not a, quote, Jew is but an animal to be either used or exterminated. They've made that quite clear. They refer to the Palestinians over there as animals outright. Even people on the street are referring to them as animals with no rights. Where does that all come from? The Talmud. These people don't study the Old Testament scriptures. That is a lie. They study the Talmud. The rabbis learn in the, sh the schools from the Talmud. The people live day to day from their teachings of the Talmud. They do not study or read or worship the writings that we call the Torah. That's all for show. When they're showing scrolls, it's the Babylonian Talmud. And if people don't okay. know that, all they're right. ignorant. Okay. All right. We got that point. This is Talmud. Go ahead now, doctor. Can you refute any of that? Oh, you know, I've been I've been in debating for about 50 years on this stuff, and um, you can always find someone, uh, some kind of an authority who will say what you want to hear. You will, you can find people lined up saying people in Israel are the Jews. You can find people lined up uh, saying what we just heard, and eventually you're going to make a choice on what you hear, and then you're going to be somebody's enemy. Uh, I've made the choice. These guys have read what they wanted and believe what they wanted. Uh, I still think doctor? that those What's folks... What's the truth? Can we, there has to be truth out there. Can we get get the truth tonight? we got one side versus another side. I want the truth. Well, these God guys, said we'd be fighting all day. Brother, this what, that's what Mike, the debate's I'm about. The What's the truth? No, I'm saying what I'm saying is the debate is about what the truth is. I'm going to tell you the truth is the people living in Israel are those Jews uh, from the Bible. The That's guys on the other side the, the, listening tonight will say they're not. You're going to make a choice. They're going to say they got the truth. Well, I'm going to say I got the truth. I'm sorry. You're going to have to make a call on it. And, 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 I, have any and I, would hope, I would hope and pray that Dr. Gipp 
would watch all 12 hours of Europa the last right, Mike, Mike, we went over play. that already, Mike. We went over that already, Mike. Mike, I'm trying no, I'm to, saying, I'm trying to, uh, all right, moderate okay, the show here. Okay. I, I'm saying, is there any evidence that I, as a listener here tonight, or someone who is a neutral, maybe, or leaning one side to the other, whatever, can go to to research this or look this up? Can I interject? Well, I could give you a piece, Joe, real quick if I could. Um, I assume what they're talking about, since they're so big into the Bible tonight, they're referring to Revelation 2, 9, and 3, 9 about being the synagogue of Satan. Now, let me point out one simple fact about that. Who prays in a synagogue? Do you? Do I as a Christian? Does a Muslim pray in a synagogue? Nope. They pray in a mosque. When we pray, we pray in a church. Who prays in a synagogue? That would be my point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Dan, you so want to say these, you want these, to say something real quick? Go. No, I'll pass for right now. All right. It's the top of the doctor. I asked the doctor, is there any, do you have anything or research? Obviously, your doctor, you tell you've been studying this 15 oh, years. Wait a minute. What have you been studying? Hold on. Dan, Dan just, said he's got something. Go ahead, yeah, Dan. Yeah, it just oh, okay. popped back All right, in go my ahead. head. Uh, I, I, All right, go ahead. You asked for proof. Okay. Does not Scripture say that the, the children of Abraham would be a blessing to the world? Yep. All right. What people on this earth fit the description of not only those verses, but the other verses that show the attributes of the true Israelite people being loving, caring, and sharing people? What people have all through history followed those tenets as a people other than our people? And these people in, over in Israel today who are murdering innocent people and thinking it's justified and have been doing it for nearly 70 years, they don't, follow, they don't fit that description anywhere they have been. That's why they've been expelled from 110 countries historically. That's in the Encyclopedia Britannica. They've over been expelled a thousand, for, for being a blessing. Right. They've been expelled for being a blessing? Let me, let me ask you a question, blessing. Dan. All right, Dan, doctor. Let, all right, all right, let, let the doctor go. Do, go ahead, doctor. Uh, I want to ask a question. This is not this is not a question trying to, um, you know, uh, catch you in, in in being wrong. Okay, uh, if people in Israel, if those people are not, because I've heard this thing about replacement theology, and I've never heard anybody, uh, I've never everybody that comes up with replacement theology hates anybody that says they're Israel. So, okay, if I say the guys in Israel, the people over there right now, are not the Jews, can you tell me where the real ones are? I mean, do you have an idea where they are? Yeah, they're, they're the lost tribes that have been all through Europe, which means whiteface. They, 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 the, they went through the pass of Israel, and, that, and they went up through the Caucasus Mountains. That's where the word Caucasian comes from. And if you look at the coat of arms of every European nation back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they used the same emblems that the 12 tribes used. Well, that's just trying now, to steal we, a blessing from the Jews. We, we are the you're, Israel you're people for, of the scripture. You're, you're looking right. for a purebred answer to that, and I can answer that question for you. As far as Ashkenazi Jews go, they are 20 to 30% European ancestry DNA. That's why so many people get confused when they see Jewish people who have white skin, sometimes blonde hair, blue eyes. It, their heart, at their core, they are Jewish. But the bottom line is they will rob the best genetics. The best sources of white people, Ashkenazi, to me, are some of the biggest scoundrels out there. 
when it comes to but this they stuff. That's why you have so many A-list actors that, that are and in and let's reiterate, we're talking about the bad bloodline. We're talking about the, the bloodline of Cain. We're talking about the Esau. We're talking about the bad bloodline that leads up to these people. That's who we're referencing. And they have enmity towards us from the beginning. They've okay. had enmity from okay. day one. Paul says that okay. the enemy right, so uh, the gospel the yeah, Go ahead, go ahead, doctor. Go ahead. Oh, I just say Paul said they would be enemies for the gospel's sake. We, we try to win them. Okay. I, don't, I don't see them being a friend of the gospel. Well, the Jews were the Jews, too, I guess, right? I mean, I, I mean to be fair, I mean, I, I've, I've, well, the reason why this comes from is I've interviewed people that have visited over in Israel, and uh, Christians, actually, and actually they were, they were treated quite harshly by the, uh, uh, I don't know what you call the Jews with the, with the long hair and the beard, or, you know, uh, I guess they practice the Talmud. They, they spit at Christians. They criticize Christians. Orthodox I mean, that, that's, that's the testimony that I got. Yeah, that's the testimony I got. And not all Jews are like that over there, obviously, you know, but I'm just saying that, you know, so there's harsh. So that, that's not, you know, I, I, I mean, there's a great division in this world today, and it's concerning. It's concerning to me. It's concerning to everybody because I don't, you know, we're heading towards a, a, a division that can never, that's not going to be able to reconnect. And maybe it's for the well, good. I don't know. Maybe it's prophecy. Joe, Joe, I just on have one note, one question on that, for everybody. On that note, Joe, you brought up you brought up. Joe, I, I just want to piggyback. Hang on, on I can't have everybody yeah, talking at question. once. Hang on, hang, hang on. They, I can't have they, everyone they, talking they, at once. These same people that that Joe was just talking about are the same people that do, in fact, have vast majority control over the media, over Hollywood, which spews out all the perversion and immorality and filth and violence. They're the ones that have control over the Fed and the world banks. They're the money people, right? Isn't that what everybody thinks about, oh, the Jews and money, 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 money. They have control over all that. So that's a big factor. They control the Christian seminaries. So we've got Christians that are being taught lies and propaganda because it's part of their agenda. Okay. All right, Mike. All right. Uh, uh, Bert, you wanted to say something? And then I think the doctor wanted to say something. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want everyone talking. Somebody was complaining. No, that's fine. Somebody was complaining earlier uh, in the show about there being uh, LGBTQ flags going up in churches, in front of churches, and so on and so forth. This is Jews. Jews are doing this stuff. Okay. Now, my question for the gentleman out there that it seems to have somewhat of a loyalty to Jews, Israel, however, whatever you want to label them as. Um, the, Joe had brought up earlier that the Orthodox Jews had treated um, Gentiles, Christians. Uh, you can see on YouTube over there, they're threatening to beat them up, kill them. This isn't just makeup, make-believe. This is fact. Now, how many of you out there know that part of the Orthodox Jewish religion is when a newborn is born to cut the foreskin off and the rabbi sucks the blood off the penis. Now, is this, are these good Christian values? I mean, seriously, these people are disgusting. And anybody who will stick up for them, I'd have to question whether or not they're disgusting as well. This is why America is turning degenerate. They want to turn this country into excrement all over the country, every state individually, they put their That's minions right. out there in the street. They destroy the cities. They make the rampant crime rate go up, and then the Jews are going to come over here with all their money, taxpayer money that we gave them, and offer to help us out and buy this country up for free. Prove me wrong. 
Okay. <laughs> I want to go. All right, let's give some closing thoughts. Everyone, everyone, I'll give everyone a couple minutes here to, to, so we can wrap it up. Everyone gets a couple minutes. And, Cave, I'll unmute you so you can get a couple minutes, too. I just can't have it, people yelling over each other, and you're famous for that. So um, uh, I give everyone two minutes. I'll let Peter have the last word because he was the guest or his friend uh, have the last word. I mean, I could do that out of respect. They were the guests here tonight. So um, uh, I, uh, you want to start first, Mike, or Dan? Uh, start up there first. Dan? Yeah, I'll just to say that, you know, it says in Scripture that he would send a strong delusion over the people because they no longer loved the truth. And that's, that's where we're basically at. Near the end of the age, the great apostasy, and the separating of the wheat and the chaff. That's where you're at right now in history with COVID and all the other nonsense that's been pushed down our throats. We now have divided families, divided marriages, divided households, divided workplaces, because he has made it painfully clear who's on his side, who are the truth seekers, and everybody else. There's only two people that matter, those that believe and belong in his camp and everybody else. All right, okay. Mike, go and ahead, Mike. Yeah, and I'll follow up on Dan there by saying that the everybody else are the ones that are being hypnotized and brainwashed and indoctrinated by all forms of media that that very enemy we were just talking about owns and controls through the perversion in Hollywood, the television programming, infiltrating into the universities, the seminaries. They're the ones that are controlling the narratives on everything, and as a result, they've got the vast majority of Americans who claim to be Christians not only indulging in tattoos and putting ink all over their skin and graffitiing their body up, which is poisonous to the body to begin with, and vaping and vape sticks and bubble lung and smoking and the the next best alcohol and giving in to the LGBT community because that's the politically correct thing to do. They're totally breaking down and demoralizing because they are godless. They hate God. Like Dan said, they are the bad brother that has enmity. He put enmity between the seed of Satan and the seed of God's people. And the Israelites are the white face, the Caucasians who came out of the Caucasian mountains that can be historically and anthropologically and biblically traced right back down to Yahushua himself, who with four accounts was a golden brown-haired, blue-eyed, um, fair-skinned man who was of the line of David, who was, was the, of the line of Jacob, who was the line of Abraham, all the way back to Noah, all the way back to Adam, God's people, the Son of God. They were put on this earth for a purpose, and that's why the enemy hates us and is endeavoring to crush us, and it's creating all these psyops like white supremacy and, and, and racist, all these names that they can use to pigeonhole people that are speaking the truth to expose them for who and what they are. Okay. All right, Mike. Uh, Bert, go ahead. If you're still with me, Bert, I don't know if you hung up or not. Uh, I wanted to give you a closing thought. All right, maybe I guess he, he got disconnected. Okay, Dave, go ahead. Then Peter, then uh, Peter's guest, and then Peter. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Joe, Couple I'm minutes. The only, I'm, I'm the only. I'm the second person you've ever muted. Wait till I see you. I'm going to show you something, you little son of a gun. Go ahead. I can't. I, I know you're I, too I used to yell scream. I understand that. I used to yell and scream. But I, was, I actually sit back and listen because now I want to be able to hear what somebody's saying so I can. Uh, refute what they're saying or try to at least guide them in a way. But here, let's put it this way. I'm a person that out of everybody here I can speak of, I've been to the, to the Christianity part, the young part of life. Uh, 
I hated God at one point because I believed what he took my mother and father from me and death that I should never die from. So everything being said, my history I was taught in school, everything's been wrong. But I don't care who you are or what you do on this planet. If you have the belief in something, that, like Bert said, about the, the sucking of the baby penis, that is a fact. It's, it's, they've got it documented in New York City. There's actually an outbreak where several of those families were died. The children died from herpes being spread that way. Now you have the same group of people that we're talking about that have this control. They have a narrative, and they call us goyim. Goyim is cattle. And in order for their Messiah to return, their prophecy, the light bearer Lucifer is who they worship. That is Judaism. Anyone that studies under Judaism in the Talmud is the devil. This is not going to be a race where we talked about white and black. This is about good and evil. If you believe it's okay to sodomize a young boy up to the age of eight years old, or you can have sex with a young girl until the age of three years old because her hymen heals, these are all documented facts that these people state they put in their books and they put it right in front of us now. The only problem is the Internet let a lot of people during COVID figure out a lot of information. The flip side to that coin that nobody ever stood about because we've always been told the spoils of war, the, the winners of war write history. Well, they've done it. They wrote the Bible. They changed a lot of things in the Bible to build their self-fulfilling prophecy to do all this because until they smash every goyim, that's everybody that's not a Jew, they can't have what they want. And, and, you know, it's crazy how it sounds. This all spoils and boils down to they've run through Europe already. They just, they just dismantled. What you're seeing in our southern border is they've been happening for 10 years in Europe. Okay? Now, you take seconds, all that. Dave. Okay? They have to take all that on top of everything else, the infiltration now that they have here, because they're trying to mud down our Aryan, as Yeshua, every culture in this world speaks of, the deities or the, the people that came and visited them all had blonde hair, blue-eyed, became pale, or their pale skin, they turned colors, they got red. That's us. That's, there's, there's no other part about it. But you can't believe in Judaism. You can't say Judeo-Christian. You can't put those words in the same thing because they're two different things. You have Lucifer and you have God. You have good and evil. That's their plot. They've got the whole stranglehold on everybody because they believe that they are going to back Israel. They're, they're, they're God's chosen people. They are God's chosen people. Just not our God, the God of good, the God of righteousness. All right, all right, Dave. All right, right. thank you, thank you. Uh, Before I go to the doctor, uh, uh, Peter's guest there, I want to say thank you to everybody that uh, did participate in the show. I know, hey, listen, this is a tough subject. Uh, It's dividing the the world, it's dividing our country, uh, and and everybody did carry themselves very well, got heated for a little bit there, but nobody, you know, calling anybody names, uh, uh, used cuss words, or did anything out of the, or disrespectful, so I appreciate that, thank you. As far as I want to say, you know, look, you know, I'm I'm want to look at the things of today. I'm for the Constitution and restoring our republic, and I and I, and I do believe in God and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So you know, I I mean, am I wrong? Am I, am I going to be hated uh, from uh, around the world? Most likely, most likely, and I'll be hated probably by, by my family, probably by my friends. That's fine. But I stand for also for the Constitution, and I stand for liberty, and I stand for freedom, and I'm willing to fight for it, and I'm willing to die for it. Okay, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm a, advoc- a big advoc- speaker against the New World Order. Okay, and all of us mm-hmm. are still learning. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. But one thing I do want to say is that, look, 20 million people died from the shot. 
You know, nobody said nothing. But 10,000 people die over Gaza, and we're, we're ready to kill each other. You know, I mean, this is crazy. It's insane. Why? Uh, Joe, so, Joe anyway, doctor, doctor, go, doctor, go ahead. Uh, just one second. What's your name? Uh, my name is Joseph Gibson. Okay, Joseph. Um, I'm with you about 100% on everything you just said. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm pro-America, pro-Constitution. I just... Uh, I've often said this about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. They're the greatest uninspired uh, writings on the planet. Um, if it comes to ranting, I, you know, I, I'm not going to try to get into a contest on that. Uh, but I still think the people that are living over there are the, Jew, are the Jews. Um, the, I know the old thing about uh, Panther, the German, uh, the German uh, soldier that was supposedly had sex with Mary, and that's why Jesus was supposedly a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Um, oh, there, there's just going to be there's just going to be things no in comments, this world. No comments, please. Yeah, going to be things ahead, in this world you're, you're going you're going to accept or not accept, and whichever whichever one you accept, the crowd that doesn't accept it is going to anathematize you. What I am going to say, uh, regardless of the Jews, and I thought I, I actually came in here talking about the Bible that that evaporated somewhere, but um, <laughs> I am going to I'm going to. Uh, highly advise everybody listening, and that's why I'm, I'm glad for you, Joe, that you trusted Christ, that the only way to get to heaven, it's not, you're not going to bring the kingdom in, you're not going to be a good person and get there, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, you need to take the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as, as your complete uh, uh, soul, complete payment for your sins. Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic, 20 years in the church, and um, the only thing I knew for sure after 20 years in the church was uh, I was going to hell. And then I came to the Bible, which has been pretty much disparaged tonight. Uh, I guess it was a, it's a Jewish lie, but uh, I believe that what Jesus Christ uh, did, I believe he paid for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe when I uh, called it, asked him in my heart, whosoever shall call upon him, the Lord shall be saved. I believe he saved me. And uh, that is a good thing. My hope, uh, here, here's what I, and this, I think here's where, we're, here's where we're at. One of the things that I say when I preach I, the people I feel the, the most sorry for right now, and I, and I don't say like they're pathetic. I don't mean that way. I mean I really empathize are, are unsaved conservatives because their hope is the Constitution and Donald Trump. I'm for both of them. But the Bible, the Bible tells us about a blessed hope. And uh, my hope is the Lord's going to come and get us out of here. Uh, I'm going to live for the Lord to the best I can. I'm going to do what I can to preserve my nation. I, if it comes down to somebody starts shooting guns, then we'll do that. Uh, I don't know. I, when everybody says get out there and do something, I, I don't know what, uh, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know how they manifest that. It's just a bunch of talk usually. But um, I, I admonish everybody to, to take the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the sole payment for your sins and uh, give up on any religion, any righteousness, whatever you think you're good about, whatever you think you're chosen about, you're all wrong. Uh, the Bible says the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? That describes me right now. Uh, and that describes everybody on this, this program and everybody listening to it. But Jesus Christ can save anybody. He saved me. I was one of the worst. And um, that's the, that's the uh, at the end of the, not the end of the day, at the end of the age, at the end of life, that's going to be the most important uh, decision anybody made. Did they trust Christ? Amen. countries need to be. 110 countries, and everybody that's done 109 before. Hang on, Dave. Hang on, Dave. That's what we believe in. Hang on, Dave. We're past that. Peter, Dr. Peter Ventura. 
I know, but Dr. Peter Ventura, go ahead, because you, you, you were you were the teacher tonight. You started. And, again, uh, Dan, thank you. I, I really wanted Dan, uh, that was the most important uh, person, because we had a long and depth uh, conversation last week, and, and that was important. We kind of got away from it. But, uh, Peter, go ahead. You uh, Final words? If you're still there? Should be. Dr. Peter Ventura, yeah. calling? Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I'm here. I, I want to thank Dr. Gibb, because I put him in an imposition tonight. I just called him out of the blue, and uh, you know, and I. Uh, so I apologize for sandbagging you, Doctor Giff. Yeah, that was no problem. And uh, the rest of you gentlemen, uh, thank you for your time. And uh, like Doctor Giff said, the most important thing is Jesus Christ. And are you saved? Are you saved? Because that's that's the bottom line. And so uh, I want to thank everybody. And again, thank you, Joe. Uh, for giving me uh, an opportunity to use your platform to teach the book of Daniel tonight. And I and, uh, appreciate that. And uh, rest yeah, of you I'm gentlemen. I'm sure we'll have more discussions. discussions. <laughs> uh, you know. Amen. All right. Well, All right, guys. You know, I, I know I kept everyone here long enough. So, I mean, I appreciate the time you guys did spend. So, um, Dan, do you want to say anything else real quick? I know I, I kind of yeah. cut you off me, here maybe. Me, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Let me say one thing. Dr. Uh, yep. Gibbs got some books that you might want to take a look at, the answer book, and uh, he's got uh, three of them. And they're dynamic books that answer a lot, a lot of questions about, you know, the uh, translation of the King James Bible. And uh, they're very enlightening, and uh, among some others. And, uh, does he have a website? Thank- does he have a website? He can, does he have a website or anything that we can go to? or, or- Do I? Does Sam get? Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, I've got. Could I? Could I say? Yeah, samgip.com is my personal website. Uh, we made some production videos some years ago. That's under. What's the big deal about the KJV? Uh, I own a publishing company. That's uh, daystarpublishing.com. And then if you go to YouTube Daystar. and check Sam Gip channel, yeah, Daystar Publishing. Uh, tack on the publishing, or you'll end up with a Pentecostal preacher. Um, okay. And then I, uh, I, I have a. If they go to YouTube and check uh, Sam Gip channel. Uh, I've got about 340 uh, teaching or preaching messages there. But samgip.com is my personal one. Uh, Daystar Publishing is the uh, is my company, uh, my publishing company, and then uh, uh, I have a channel on the on YouTube. Okay, and Dan, Dan, you do a you still do your radio show? You want to get that throw that out there? I, mean, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I still do it. Uh, I've gone from two days a week down to one, and you can go to PastorDan.net, and Pastor Dan's all together with no spaces, just simply PastorDan.net, and you'll see the schedule for any kind of uh, discussions or radio shows, et cetera, and all the other uh, links for information about health or uh, what's going on in the world today. But uh, also, uh, I want to add my thanks to you, Joe, for what you're doing, and and uh, remind everybody, you know, uh, we're told in Malachi, especially chapter 4, I sort of resonate with that, that uh, he would send Elijah before the great and terrible day. And one of the one of the things Elijah was to do was to get the people back together again, the children to respect their their parents and their, their ancestors. And certain translations differ. So it says the uh, children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And other translations say the brethren to the brethren which to me makes a whole lot more sense because look at us. We're all divided. We're, we're arguing about everything, dogma, uh, semantics, translations. This gets back to what I said earlier. 
Yeshua himself said, I'm going to send you a comforter who was to do what? Not just comfort us, but to walk with us and teach us. His spirit should be residing in each and every person who claims to have a relationship with Messiah. Okay? Regardless of what book you read, what scriptures you read, where it came from, if you don't have that real-time Holy Spirit relationship, you're lost. And if we can come together as brethren, as Malachi says Elijah's job at the end of the age would be, come together as brethren, learn, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's why also it says in the New Testament, accept all things and, and keep that which is good. That's a, that's a biblical way of saying keep an open mind. Be willing to listen to somebody else's point of view and then judge it accordingly and keep that which is good. Okay, we have a lot of dogmatic people. As soon as you go outside of their little box or little comfort zone, you get attacked. That's, that's completely against what he said. He, and what, what does Proverbs say with the things that he hates? One of the seven things that he abhors, he hates, abomination, is those that cause discord amongst the brethren. And we've got people yeah. causing discord everywhere. So instead of trying to build up our ranks and get a cohesive unit, the enemy's laughing all the way to the synagogue because we're fighting each other over documents that were written thousands of years ago over little bits of dogma because it doesn't fit with this guy or that guy. Completely ignoring what Messiah said, love one another as I have loved you. I have given you the comforter. I rely more on what the Holy Spirit tells me than anything written on a piece of paper. I'll be honest with you. And it says in Scripture as well, the Spirit testifies to the truth. That means it vibrates with you. It resonates with you. If you're one of his children, if you're not, you're lost. That's why you're lost. Amen. Back to you. All right, guys. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Take care. Okay. God bless. God bless our yeah. republic. Yes, Mike. i got to wrap it up. They're going to cut me off in like yeah, 10 seconds. Yeah, what? Just, no, I just wanted to you know, let you throw out you know, the bigvirushoax.com and righteousarmy.org, and I wanted Dr. Gibb to know. Uh, and I got his website, samgip.com, so I'll send you a message, doctor, because, you know, I love you guys, too. You know, we, we have different views on things, but those different views, going to Joe's point about, well, what's true? Well, sometimes finding out what's true is like what Dan just said, keeping an open mind yep. and listening to all things and letting the Spirit guide you. So I, I really genuinely would encourage and pray for um, both uh, Dr. Ventura and Dr. Gip to take the time to watch all 12 hours of Europa, the last yep, battle. Last Europa, see, last Europa. All right, guys. Hey, God bless the Republic. Take care, everybody. God bless.